The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 71 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati LOL. With us tonight, we have Josh Roberts, at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. Chris Chung, at Prime LOL. Screw Timo. Screw Timo. And with us tonight, a special guest. Please welcome Michael, at League of Items on Twitter. He a legend. He a legend. He a legend. <laughs> Already stepping up to the plate, I see. Uh, John, unfortunately, could not make it tonight, uh, but he will be with us again next week. So, a couple news items to get through, just small ones uh, that will turn into a big one, because I'm sure that we're going to debate this one in just a second. Uh, and then we got uh, the last week of regular season in LCK, uh, and then we have semifinals in the LPL, as well as playoffs in both Western Leagues, the LEC starting up this week, and round two in the LCS. So... Lot to get to tonight, so I figure we'll get right into this. Let's hit the uh, let's hit these news, these small news items. The first one is I, wrote, I I marked it as potential non-news, and it's that Scout and Mako are being allowed by EDG to test the free agent market. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, these are two, you know, very experienced veterans. They've been very very steady and solid over their career. I actually think both of these guys have been underrated over the course of their career. Um, Scout, I think, Cat was starting to look like he was losing it a little in the middle of this season. Like maybe he was done. You got to remember, he's been playing for like seven some odd years now. So uh, came all the way up through Korean Challenger and then moved to China. He was with T One and everything, or SKT at the time. And uh, so they're being allowed to test the market. I think the two of them have been the core of EDG. They've been the only guys that have been there the whole time. And EDG has been a top. This is the first season EDG hasn't made the playoffs in like ever. So. Uh, interesting. Uh, my guess is that they're going to end up back there again, but did you guys have any thoughts on this one? It's just a quick shout out to my girl, Linda. Hopefully she gets her EDG back. I know, uh, I crystallization on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I'd be interesting to see like if they do decide to move because there's rumor that it's uh, Scout has some ties to LCK and with the franchising, that's kind of the buzz that I'm hearing. That's the only credence I'm giving this. But outside of that, I don't really think this is much of a news unless something actually happens. Uh, if Josh doesn't want to go next, I'll go. Uh, I think that uh, Scout is 100% going to go to LCK. I I don't see if you're a Korean if you're a Korean player and you just had to go through the coronavirus situation and you can get comparable money in LCK because of franchising. I don't see how you can justify staying in China. I yeah. think that he probably, growing up, he was probably what within the first five years of um, of LCK. So, like, if the money was actually there and he wasn't like the kind of player who had to prove himself to get onto a starting roster, he probably would already be in the LCK. Yeah. Um, and then, at and like the other thing is, you have to realize like 
it, at that point in time, China had exponentially more money yeah. than Korea to throw at these players. So, like, if anybody was considered, like, a prodigious talent, they would just get a, a sack of money in China. And, literally. Like, <laughs> it, like, literally, yeah. And, like, I mean, all the all the guys in China have, like, ties to casinos and all this other kind of stuff. So I can only imagine the kind of other things that he was, like, given as, uh, as like, incentive to go to China. So I think... Um, like there are a bunch of teams that make a lot of sense. I think Team Dynamics makes a lot of sense. I think KT Rolster makes a lot of sense, even though they have UCAL. I think that they could probably justify going to him. I think Afrika Freaks makes a lot of sense because they have Afrika fly. Makes the most sense because I yeah. think Afrika actually has the money to throw. It. So, I guess I guess the bigger question here too is how much money rel- like is that is that money actually relative now? Like I'm uh, assuming it's better than it used to be, right? I think I think even if it's I think even if it's close, I think that he'd probably go yeah. back. And I think Hanwha Life also makes a lot of sense because yeah. Hanwha Life, if they have a lot of money, which they should, right? They're like it's a, a pretty big, big corporation back. Yeah. yeah. So that should be like um, bring in a proven mid laner, have it with Viper in the hands, and then try to actually win something. Yeah. I, it makes sense to me. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I don't know about Mako. I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, is he Korean born as well or no? No, he's Chinese. So. Okay, so well, that's I a lot tougher. So. Let me just double check. Yeah. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Uh, so I will I will say just as a cautionary thing that there's a lot of big organizations that own teams that doesn't necessarily mean the teams have the money like that might not be in their budget like not all the teams have the same budget even though they're owned by big corporations we saw that with Samsung like Samsung yeah. had two teams but they didn't actually they just had like enough to field two teams it wasn't like they had this massive budget which is why they ended up losing all their players well, also the sister team rule changing and everything but yeah um, so I guess I guess before we move away from that I think. Now that EDG has like Shaoshang in the top lane and Junjia or uh, Jai Jai is going to be yeah. like the the jungler moving forward. So I think if they if they know that that is going to be the roster, and they think that they have a chance to do something next year, maybe they throw money at him to keep him. But uh, there's, I mean, I'm sure there's like some other young like Ch- Chinese mid laner that they're interested in. Yeah. So they might let him walk. Josh. Uh. The one thing that I think is probably going to happen before anyone would go pick up Scout, because at this point he's considered like a veteran of the scene, like, and we know teams is like a uh, tendency to want to go for these younger guys, like, especially with how Closer kind of closed out the split. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these teams are throwing a lot of money at him first, and then maybe Scout's like a backup plan. Um, and then the other thing to consider is like Scout has been there for a while. So like at some point, like, I don't know, does he have residency in China? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't even know if they care about that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but that's that's the other thing I was to say is like it's a kind of player by player basis whether or not that matters. Like if he's actually homesick or if he feels that China's his new home. Because um, yeah. you know it could just be that he doesn't really care that much if the even if the money's better he just wants to stay where he is and he's comfortable and he's made there's, friends. And... There's some weird rules in China because like oh okay, th- so they didn't have like the grandfathered. Uh, residency rules that like everywhere else had i don't know them specifically i would have to look into this more like off the top of my head anyway i'm sure i could figure it out doesn't doesn't closer like, have like a multi-year contract with t1 uh so he had i don't actually let me see closer scout is listed as korean residency or korean residency so oh okay i'm pretty sure if you i'm pretty sure that if you are from a country and you go back to the country I don't think it'd be like, oh well, you became. Chinese. You have to re-get resident. Yeah, you have to re-residency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I, 
It's more just that he that doesn't have. It's more that yeah, I don't think that's an issue. It's just more. I just find it weird that he's not. He doesn't have Chinese residency yet. More than yeah. more than like going back to Korea. Uh, closer. We can take a look real quick here. I don't think. Closer's under, that... con- Closer's under contract till twenty twenty two. Oh, November of twenty twenty two. So he's got a multi year yeah. contract. He's got two yeah. more years left. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's there's probably going to be a bunch of teams trying to buy out that contract from T one. I would guess zero percent chance. There's but no way. I don't. I don't think they're going to let that happen. But who knows? I, if enough money might be the answer. Who knows? Like T one does this. They just raise up this all these all this talent, and they end up going somewhere else. And they just always have a constant stable of new guys coming in. It's really spe- I mean, we've talked about this before, but it really speaks to that organization that they can consistently find these guys, train these guys, and they make a conscious effort. As infuriating as it is to us as DSF, DFS players and betters, they make a conscious effort to give these guys actual playing time on like the real the real stage. In this, I mean, this year is obviously a little different, but. They give these guys time on the on the main stage, even when it doesn't make sense to. Like they could be mo- they could be moving up playoff spots. In this case, it's worked out. It hasn't always yeah. worked out for them when they try these new players. So, yeah, definitely, um, definitely interesting. I it wouldn't surprise me to see him go back to Korea because I do I do think we talked about this a little bit on I think somebody was going back and forth on Twitter with somebody about this, but he is definitely Scout is definitely better than at least a handful of the midlanders in the LCK. Sure. Now, in there are some good midlanders in Challenger Korea too that we need to consider that just aren't playing for, you know, cause they're under contract with their teams and people didn't feel like buying them out. But I mean, AP, uh, a one is a hundred percent. He'd be an upgrade. Uh, Hama life hundred percent would be an upgrade. Uh, Afrika freaks, Afrika. I, I think the metagame is very good for fly, but scout has shown like immunity to that. Like over the years, he can play in anything. So I think he'd be a definite upgrade there. Um, you can make an. I think. I think. I think Kuzan's actually still pretty good, but Kuzan and him oh. are actually pretty. He's better than Kuzan. Yeah, like he's and he's younger. Kuzan. I mean, Scout's what 22, 23 yeah, years he's old. Twenty two, which is crazy because he's been playing for so long. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. I guess it, it'll just depend on how he goes, but I, definitely worth mentioning. I think because they're. I mean, they're two world class players still. I mean, they may mm-hmm. not be quite as good as they used to be, but they're still very good, and they could be the core of a team for sure. So, um, worth noting. Uh, I guess we'll talk about the Mark Z, Papa Smithy, Poom, Twitter drama, I guess. It's not even drama, it's just, like, bullshit. <laughs> I mean, somebody, somebody take it away, because I don't, I, I don't particularly have too many strong feelings on this. I just thought it was really dumb overall, but I know, I know, Mike, you feel pretty strongly about this. Yeah, and, uh, so, yeah, go ahead. the only thing, the only thing that I really have to say about this is I think that the only reason that Mark Z is an analyst in, uh, in North America is because of like nepotism and like he was already in the scene. So it was easy to give somebody who had some background league of legends knowledge and like experience in the professional scene. It was easy to give that guy a job to talk about league of legends, but he has done nothing to show that he understands league of legends and can be like ahead of the curve. If anything, he waits until he sees a professional team do something on stage or he hears about it in a scrim like he's not out there like LS where LS is advocating for certain kinds of playstyles, certain kinds of like items, different champions to enter in and out of the meta. Mark Z hears about what other people are doing and then tries to copy it for himself and then pass it off as his own information. When in reality, 
he doesn't even play the game anymore. I think he's like said that on the dive. Like I, I'm not a avid avid listener of the dive or anything like that, but I remember hearing him say he doesn't even really play League of Legends anymore. So he is the epitome of a talking head, and that I mean I just can't stand people like that. I can't uh, stand in him any... in any sport. I'm exactly. The same way. Like exactly. I, and now now to be honest with you, I don't I don't know. Like maybe he's not actually that bad, but it certainly doesn't come off that way, and that's like the most important part when you're on when you're an on camera personality. That's the most important part, right? Like, yeah, how like your image, right? Yeah, and you know, usually I like for those that don't know. I mean, I'll just go through. So after the hundred thieves, lo- or yeah, after the hundred thieves loss to Evil Geniuses, it was a pretty bad loss. I th- I think we do we all agree that I mean you could have liked DG. You could make an argument either way in that in that game, but. 100 Thieves vastly underperformed in this series, right? I had EG. I won a tournament with EG. Screw 100 Thieves. Over, <laughs> they're overhyped because they beat C9 one time. Evil Genius is much more talented. Sven Skarin looked like garbage at the end of the season. Every time that EG plays, I pick EG, and I say, I, I know that I'm biased towards EG, but they have more talent. I cannot not pick them. So that's what I did, and it worked. So for those that don't know, after the 100 Thieves loss... Uh, Mark Z tweeted out, "Quote, Poo Gang," and then just read the score, like the the KDA lines for all three games, which were o five o three ten two o eight four, and a lot of people took issue with this. I think for good reason. Like it's to me, it's one thing to criticize a player and offer like some insight into like what went wrong, right? Like I don't have a problem with saying, you know, this happened. In this play, I think this could have been better. I think this was a big mistake. I think that's like that's that's analysis. Uh, that's 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 criticism. Now you could word it constructive or you could not, and that's up to whoever is saying it. But that's actually offering any insight into anything instead of just saying like, "Hey, look at these garbage numbers." Like that doesn't mean anything. So a lot of people took issue with this, including Papa Smithy, who basically came out with a very strongly worded tweet in reply to this whole thing that uh i'm i don't have it up right now but basically said like defending his players you know he went to bat for his players now this whole thing kind of blew up there were a bunch of retweets bunch of likes all this stuff it was a big you know hoopla or whatever but i i I don't know i kind of felt weird that papa smithy came out so strongly worded and like part of me thinks that it's good for the gm to defend his players because it shows that he's going to bat for them but i also think that it's like it felt like a high school like pissing match, you know what I'm saying? Like it didn't seem like it was contributing anything meaningful to the conversation. So yeah. I don't know, Chris. Did you have any thoughts on this one? Nope. High school drama. People talking is Twitter just bad luck for professional in quotation marks. <laughs> I think that's the simplest way to put it, Josh. I just feel like people get overly triggered at these things. Like at the end of the day, Twitter's like. You're supposed to use it for just like short, quick statements. Like, it's not supposed to be you sending out your entire thoughts of analysis on this on the slate. And I know, like I'm Gelati, especially. I'm definitely guilty of this, 100. percent I know I am. Yeah, I was say, yeah, I was say, I know, especially like it, it can make people angry because, but it's like, I don't want to see people writing a 500 word synopsis on why Poom was terrible this series. Like, I'm 100 percent here for just trolling the Poom Gang clan that's been over like. Like uh, like Mike said, kind of been overhyping this player since he yeah. kind of burst onto the scene or whatever. Um, I'm 100% here for trolling that by just saying poo gang and like 
again, like you, you're definitely oversimplifying and like Mark knows, like, it's not like, yeah. it's not like he's really just like, Oh, this player sucks and he's worthless. Yeah. And so like the fact that Pablo Smith came out and so, was so upset that I was kind of just like, uh, like if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen type deal. Like yeah. if you can't, if you can't accept people are going to troll you in this, like in esports where like Twitch chat is the like thing people use, like, you're you're gonna get trolled, and you're a professional. You're getting paid a lot of money, and you're that's just part of it. Like having to deal with the fans. So um, there's an extent to which you go, but someone tweeting "poo gang" is like, I don't care if you're a rookie or a veteran. You played bad, and you're getting trolled for it. It's yeah. that simple in my eyes. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's what's so what's so interesting about all of this is is. I mean, I thought Papa Smithy's reaction was way more interesting than, like, whatever Mark Z said. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. really give a shit. Like, because to me, it's like, I, I don't want a manager that's just going to ignore this stuff. Like, I mean, maybe I do. And he just internally goes to his players and says, like, yo, listen, like, fuck what everyone's saying. Like, we have your back here. That's what you do. To me, that's how you handle this situation. Now, yeah. maybe he thought it would be better to villainize himself and take some of the heat off of it maybe that was the thought there i don't know but definitely a weird situation right it was just yeah. like it was really out of character for for chris right so, like that was i think the last thing that i that i would say i think that mark z when you say something like poo gang making fun of poom gang if that was somebody else i'd probably think that it's funny like when when mark z does it it seems like lazy analysis because he seems like he's an a lazy anal, uh, an, analyst. a lazy analyst so like the difference would be like what josh was saying when <sighs> when ls says something like boris it just means like look at this team building incorrectly he doesn't have to say a lot of words because he's already built up this kind of like portfolio of information that people understand what he means yeah. so he'll say boris post a picture and it's like, oh, look at this person built this item, this item, and this item, yeah. and it was bad and they should have been doing something else. When Mark Z says, oh, Poo Gang puts up stat lines, it's like it's like any like um, box score watcher for any single sport. Like, yeah. we all hate that in the NFL, oh, NBA, oh, in anything. Oh my god, so, look at this yards per carry. It's terrible. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's the exact same thing. So between that and then in, in regards to Papa Smithy, I think that Papa Smithy, like, standing up for his players is very positive. But even more than that, I think that when he when he was, like, calling for people to reach out to the players and, like, give them words of encouragement, I think that was a smart way to use social media to, like, bolster people's confidence. Um, so I think it's – I think he kind of did everything kind of intelligently, or at least it made sense to me. So that's – that's I mean, that's it for, uh, for Mark Z, I think. Yeah, I think I don't, I don't want, I don't give too much more of the podcast this whole spat because it was very yeah, high yeah. school feeling to me. I, I do think in general, like try to understand the context of things just in general. Like when you try to come at it, and we're all guilty of this. Everybody comes at players and supports players that don't deserve it too. It's, it goes both ways, right? Um, and it's one thing to be all facetious and have like good fun with it and everything. And I think that's part of the Twitterverse, right? It just is what it is. I, I you know, but do keep in mind that these are guys like obviously they're being paid. This comes with the territory. They need to understand that they signed up for this, right? Like they're going to get shit from people. But I do think as viewers, you got to remember that these are people. And if you don't think that this stuff weighs on them, I'm not, I'm not trying to go all soft on everyone. Just don't be a total dick. You can criticize people all you want. I think that's fine, but just don't be a total dick about it. Just remember that they're human beings and you know, how would, how would you feel in that situation? Right. You know, yeah. I, again, it's I don't mean to go all super soft on it, but, 
you know, it's no. real. It's a real thing. That's that's something you can – there's certainly a line that should not be crossed. Um, I just don't think in this instance that was a line that was crossed. So, yeah, I, like, I agree. To me, it's just like, okay, let it go, move on. Like, I don't care if he's a rookie. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, any other news? I don't think there was anything that noteworthy. There was a couple of good pieces of content that I retweeted today, but um, a really good story on Wan Fang. If you guys want to check that out, I retweeted it earlier, and uh, there was something else too. But check my Twitter. I retweeted a bunch of stuff. It's really uh, there was actually some pretty good content that came out today, but nothing really that newsworthy. We're going to get into a lot of the roster moves and releases and stuff like that in the off season, so I'm not too worried about covering all that stuff now. So. Let's get into the LCK because that's the last regular season, and then we'll dip our feet. Actually, we'll just dive head first into playoffs because we have playoffs in the other three regions. So uh, the LCK slate this week, much more interesting than the Chalk Fest that we had this past weekend where we had, what, one interesting game? And then one game that got interesting for what it's worth. So um, Thursday we have T1 plus 162 against Damwon minus 222. So... T1 look really, really good. I think the most interesting part of this, weirdly enough, is is Faker going to actually get the start here? Or are they going to let Closer try to have a go at Showmaker? Anybody else want to go first? Yeah, good, good. Um, I think that they should let Closer play first. I don't think it really matters uh, for T1 what position they get in the gauntlet. I think they have a gigantic mental edge over Gen G. Going into playoffs last year, I did a video breakdown of Gen G playing against T1 in their regular season matches, and Gen G doesn't understand how to play the macro game against T1 because they always assume that they're getting baited into something, and they end up getting baited into something. Like they bait yeah. themselves into like horrible Baron fights and stuff like that. So I think that if T1 had to play a Freak of Freaks, Gen G, KT, DRX, whoever in the first round, second round, third round. It just doesn't really matter to them. I think that they'll probably take this match as an opportunity to see what Closer can do against Showmaker and see if they need to use him in playoffs. Yeah, Because the champion pools are going to be somewhat different between Closer and Faker. I think that Aurelia is very strong right now, and I think that um, Lucian will probably be seen mid lane at some point. 100%. So, yeah, so if, if we can get a reading on who's better at those kinds of champions, then it makes closer a live option in like in the future series, which would only make more problems for DFS. Yeah. And I, well that, and I think for other teams too, like if you have to prep for both these guys, that's, I mean, they've both shown that they can play a little bit of everything. I mean, obviously Faker doesn't need an introduction. He does everything at a crazy high level. It's whatever, yeah. but closer has shown a number of different looks. It's not like he's playing one kind of champion every game. So, I mean, having to prep for both of these guys, what if they show you two completely different looks in solo queue the two weeks leading up to a playoff match or something like that? Like, just having that in your head that you need to prep for that stuff is just draft equity to them. And I agree with you. Historically, this team, this organization, obviously it's a different coaching staff now. They've shown that they, they really don't care about playoff seeding. They just care about getting yeah. into playoffs. Like, they, they've never, ever cared. And they're the only team that's run – they've run the gauntlet, I think, twice. I know they did it from four once, and I think they've done it from fifth once or twice, too. So, like, they don't care where they are in the gauntlet. They're confident, and, like, I mean, there's good reason for them to be confident. But I do think what's interesting about this is that, I mean, look, let's look at this from, you know, a betting perspective here, right? Like, Damwon, to me, looked like the best team in the world. Now, I do think 
a lot of their numbers are definitely inflated. There, there's no way. I keep saying that there's no way they can keep this up, and they keep keeping it up even against good teams. So they've shown a little bit less against the the top teams, but that's to be expected, right? But they're still dominating. So like, I don't really know. <laughs> I think Dan won probably take this. Thoughts, comments, concerns. I think this. I mean, this is probably the best match of the weekend besides the playoff matches. I think the numbers right. I think that minus two hundred means that Damwon wins two thirds of the time, and I think most people are looking at it that way. So I don't think there's much value betting on it one way or the other. I think that T one is going to like if I'm T one, I look at it as Kana against Nogri is going to be a volatile matchup whether or not Faker's in the mid lane. Cuz against Canyon is probably Canyon favored right now, no matter what. But if Closer can like go even with Showmaker or beat Showmaker in certain matchups, then it frees up Cuz to be like a different kind of player because yeah. Cuz with Faker, like like Cuz can play Graves in Italy and theoretically carry in some of these matchups. Yeah, but he can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, but he's not he's not uh, an elite jungler. So I think when Faker's in the mid lane, it really means that they want to play around Kana. They want to play around. Teddy, and if a meta doesn't really fit that kind of playstyle, maybe it's just better to have Showmaker going closer, going up against Showmaker, and like being more volatile. Because if if the true odds are that they only win one third of the time, like if if the uh, if Vegas is correct in that scenario, yeah. then you might as well put closer in the match. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think I think a lot of people are going to look at this as like. I mean, even even given what we've seen from closer so far, I think a lot of people are going to look at this as there's no way that T1 wins this with closer in and not Faker. And I don't think that's correct at all. I think this is more like just you have to look at the full teams. You have to look at the whole dynamic of things. Like I'm a little higher on Cuz than you are. I think the fact that he can kind of do a little bit of everything is good, but I do think that Canyon's just better right now. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Canyon looks absolutely bonkers at the moment. So doesn't seem like that guy can do any wrong. Like it has in the last what twenty games or something like that. So, um, John or Josh, Chris, any thoughts on on this one? Like, I I, I agree. I think the numbers is just about right. I don't think there's any value in any direction. Uh, I don't think I have too much to add. The Faker closer thing is interesting because I when we were talking about it, this was an article back in August 9th about. Faker having some motivational issues. It's not a big deal. I don't. The headline was just an intention grabber, but that was part of the reason why he's like going to have a closer in, and he's showing to be a very very good uh, mid laner himself. Um, but that said, this is a top like a mid top jungle uh, versus T one's strength, which is the bot lane yeah. uh, and mid. So it's a fun match. Should be a good match. Uh, Probably, I think it should be closer than two twenty-two in my opinion, though. Yeah, not by much though. Yeah. I, I just don't think there's that much value in this on either side. Maybe, maybe take one. Maybe take both two O's. I didn't look at what the under three and a half or under two and a half is. That might be a play. Because a lot of times with these good teams, I think people just assume that it's going to be a three-game series when the reality of the situation is one team's just better on the day and they have it. Uh, for the record, Dan wanted to have side selection for this match because so, T1 had it the first time around. And I do think blue side on this patch, regardless of what the numbers say, I think blue side is a lot stronger right now, um, just given a lot of the power picks that are around right now. Uh, Caitlyn, namely. I mean, we can talk about Caitlyn all we want, but 
I think it, it does define a lot of drafts. Like, it kind of forces the other team to play a certain way. And you can – there's there's ways to beat it. Like, I don't think it's, like, this overwhelmingly powerful thing or anything like that. But she is kind of dictating the pace of how most drafts go right now, whether Red Side has to ban it or they're going to play try to play against it. So she's kind of the pivot factor in most drafts right now. Um, so I, I do think – I mean, Dan won't have side selection. Dan won't have, you know, shown that they can play both sides too. So, I, so I'd probably lean Dan one here, but – if If the meta – like so i'm not trying to make myself sound like a genius right now yeah, good. but before the season started i was saying that sunning had a great chance to be a dark horse to win the lpl because like a lot of the time when we get closer to worlds the meta starts shifting towards bot lane because riot wants it to be that way a lot of the yeah. time and because um, a lot of teams are just naturally going to play that way because it's like the the most um, it's the most stable way common to play. way yeah. it's the most common way to play League it's of the Legends simplest it's way like, to play yeah so like you give the you give all of your resources to mid lane and bot lane you let your AD carry be like safe in the team fights they're going to put out the most sustained damage in the team fights so if we're moving in that direction and I think there's no doubt that T1's bot lane is stronger than yeah. Damwon's bot lane yeah so like can can we can we think of a scenario where in these drafts, Damwon Gaming has blue side, they pick something like Caitlyn, T1 says, well, Caitlyn sucks late, well, that doesn't suck late game, but yeah. Caitlyn's not not a hyper carry, yeah. so we'll pick a hyper carry, we'll outscale you, and we'll just beat you in the late game. I, I could see something like that happen. I could see it, I just think that's such a dangerous game to play against Damwon specifically, because they're yeah. so, so good at snowballing a lead. Yeah. So, I guess it just depends on if they want to roll the dice and play that way or not. I mean, I mean they, it would be very shown, on brand for them to do that. Exactly, they've shown that they want to do that regardless. Like yeah. they played, they played that one series when they gave up, they gave up like an um, infernal soul, I think, and they gave up like two barons and an elder dragon because they wanted Teddy to carry. Yeah, like it was just a weird game. It was one of the last series that Baker started, I think. Yeah, um, I forget who it was against, but it was just really bizarre. Like they were giving away everything because they knew that they could team fight better than the other team. Yeah, and I think they almost pulled it out, but they ended up losing that match. Yeah, it's, or they won the they lost the game, won the match. Yeah, I think I, just to put a bow on all this, so we don't spend like too long on the one game because I I do want to talk about this game because I do think it's the most interesting one on the slate in terms of like competitiveness. I think this is the best non playoff game on the slate. Like, so um, I think just to tie a bow on it, like I, I don't think there's any value either way. Like maybe take two O's on both sides, but I don't I don't particularly think that's even great either in this spot. I could I could see this going a number of different ways. Uh Afrika? KT Rolster. Uh, uh, this one, go ahead, Josh. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh yeah, no, I was just gonna say I actually like you guys talked about it a lot. I'm actually just straight up on T one here. I think the numbers actually should be way closer here than than thinks. I think Damon's a team that stomps teams so hard that people think they're on another level, but a lot of the underlying statistics aren't that much better comparatively. Um, Like, they are better, don't get me wrong, but they're not that much better, especially, like, if you do it in percentage uh, terms. So, to me, I don't think the win differential, like, I I don't think it's anywhere near 67-33. I would put it more at, like, 43-57 to 45-55 even. Um, And I also think that just, like, out of principle, my strategy with T1 going forward is going to be bet T1 until Faker comes back. Because when Faker comes back there will be like an insane rush of money on them. And it was just kind of like we talked about with Uzi last split. Like when that happens, it's always going to make the odds go out of whack. And even if they lose, like I think it's the right side to take the opposite side in that sense. Uh, instance. 
But in this one, I think it's uh, for me, it's just straight up T one money line here. And if you're going to bet Damwon, um, you mentioned it, but just bet the bet the two zero because plus one fifty six is way better. And if you your angle is that they're just going to be able to snowball leads against T one, um, they can do that easily in two games, and it's much better to take that than the minus two twenty two. Yeah. So so my question for that would be, like I I I agree that I don't think that the real line should be minus two hundred for Damwon Gaming. But if you're the sports book, how like how could you justify posting anything other than minus two hundred when the sentiment on Faker was like negative before he not got benched but was replaced by closer? Because a lot of people wanted closer to play, and then once they started having closer play, then they started getting death threats. So it's kind yeah. of it's kind of interesting. I do think that we are severely overrating that books react to this kind of stuff when I think they just march a, a model out and it says whatever it says. Uh, I don't think books. I don't, yeah, I don't think books react to it at all. It's, it's just the money the coming investors. In. They, yeah, they react the, to the money coming in. Yeah, it's yeah. betters. Like you'll you'll see people that haven't bet in six months be like, oh, Faker's playing today after a month off. He's going to come back and steamroll. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have people yeah, that but, don't even follow league that will do that. Yeah, probably. So. But. But to your point, uh, I, I think, uh, Mike, it, like, I, I'm not saying that they're setting the line necessarily incorrectly. And, like, we know esports lines are going to have juice. Yeah. Um, I agree that they have set it this way so that you have to have a decision to bet on which side. But in my opinion, I don't think T1 should be plus 162. I think the implied odds there are way too um, low, I guess, comparatively for the percentage chance of winning. I'm, yeah, so I, 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 I think the sharp, side, the sharp side is going to be T1. Yeah. Like, I think that the, the people who think that they can see an edge – are going to think they can see an edge on T1. And I, I like I think that your reasoning makes sense. Like, I love T1. I could see myself betting T1 at that number, but it's only, like, between 8 to 10%, as opposed to some of the other lines that will get randomly where they're like, oh, 20%, thank you, I'll do that. Yeah, exactly. That's the only difference, I guess. All right. Uh, any other ones on that, mat- on that match? Because the next one is actually interesting because it's it's – do or die for playoff implications. Otherwise, we're basically going to be locked with the picture that we have currently. Well, maybe not the top three, but this is going to lock four and five. Uh, so the next one we have is Afrika minus 196 against KT Rolster, plus 145. Uh, this is a must win for KT Rolster. And if Afrika win, they just get the fifth spot. Like, they can't get caught up to. KT, I think, is mathematically the only one that can catch up to them. Yeah. KT is mathematically the only team that can catch up to them, and they would have to win out, and Afrika would have to lose out. Uh, trying to double check that. Do we have to go two one? Okay, theoretically, Afrika could lose o two o two, and T- KT well, KT could go two one two one, and K- Afrika could go one two o two. I think, and then it, they would have to play a tiebreaker or something because they'd be the same game differential. But the moral of the story is this is going to be a double swing kind of situation for the fifth the fifth and final playoff spot. Uh, KT have to win out, and Afrika just need to win. This set, this match, and they could lock fifth place. That's the long and short of it. So, those are the only two teams in the conversation. So, this is a, a win and in, essentially. Well, not a win and in. It's a win and in for Afrika, and potentially a win and in for KT Rolster as well. So, um, I do think that this line is interesting. Uh, Afrika have kind of been stomping all the teams below them, like every single team below them with the exception of Dynamics, who have been the only two game losses that they've had to teams in the not-top-five. Dynamics has gotten a game off them both times they've played. So, KT, this is interesting. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this one, because I I kind of like KT in this spot a little bit. 
I'm like a broken record. I feel like every week on this show, I'm just like, yeah, bet KT, the value's there. Bet, bet KT, the value's there. It's like, <laughs> I don't even know like one more I can provide at this point. It's just like, yep, bet KT, the value's there. Like, this is, again, it's similar to what I said about the last game. I don't think – I think these teams are a lot closer. I think these teams are neck and neck, five and six, in a lot of the underlying statistics. Yeah. And uh, I don't think the, – the problem is like – yeah, no, actually, it's not even really a problem. I just think this would probably be something more like minus – 130 plus 110 or something like you that. You think it should be slight edge to, to Afrika then? Yeah. Um, but I understand why they did it this way just because, like you said, the dominance Afrika has been able to display as compo- as a pair, as opposed to KT's performances. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think the value here, I'll probably be on both dogs this day. Anybody jump in? Any thoughts on this one? I, 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 I like KT only because I, I agree. I think... You look at things, and if you look at everything besides, like, the fact that Afrika have kind of stomped everybody, like, if you if you look at everything besides trends, right, like, I'm talking, like, against the spread, totals, all that kind of stuff, if you look at everything besides that, Afrika completely dominate anyone below them in the standings and completely turn into a pumpkin against anybody higher than them in the standard, standings, right? If you yeah. look at that, then this line makes a lot of sense, right? If you look at the actual numbers, uh, metrics and everything – these teams are a lot closer, so it's just a, I, to me. I think this is a matter of really just like who you favor, like in this current meta game. Yeah, and potentially so, who you favor, like in terms of KT KT's roster. I personally don't think it makes that big of a difference which roster they both kind of play at the same level to me. Sure. So I guess there are a few things that I should say to like explain how I look at things. So my my primary thing is talent. Because when we're making decisions about betting, we don't know what champions these teams are going to play. Mm-hmm. So talent is king, in my opinion, and like in in basically every sport. I that's my angle that I take on every sport, every DFS contest that I play. I just try to jam as much talent into a lineup as I can. And then, um, so that's one thing. Another thing is I hate teams that have substitutes. Um, I I don't have any numbers to back that, but I I'd be shocked if they were positive for teams that have these like rotating rosters and while they're rotating they're better. Like I think once they settle on a lineup they're better for the most part. Um and the last thing that I'd say before I I kind of give my thoughts on the match is that I think that um a lot of the statistics in League of Legends are extremely misleading in the sense that like how much more do they tell us outside of like who has won games yeah so that that's kind of how i always i've always looked at it um and it's because it's because of those two things kind of going hand in hand we don't know what champions are going to play so we don't know if the 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 statistics that they've already shown like if they're playing for early game or playing for late game that's going to change whether or not that number is significant correct so if if you tell me like okay in this meta teams are going to draft for late game so a gold differential at 15 is more significant because as long as you keep it within 1500 gold you can outscale the opponent then like you have to give me that like i i don't want just the the, the statistic i want the yep. context for that um, and that's why I kind of stay away from that uh, in general. So I'm more interested in talent pools, matchups, talent, talent matchups, and then I think that the numbers will kind of bear themselves out in the long run. So um, with with that said, 
Yeah, I mean, that I mean said, we get to know like who do you think is a more talented team here because yeah. I think we're going to disagree on this. Yeah, with that being said, I think that Africa is the is the more talented team. I think that if you look at top lane, I think top lane Africa Freaks has the advantage in the jungle. I think Spirit, even though Spirit has been like he was he was decent in Europe. He was a he was a pretty decent jungler in Europe. I think he's average in Korea, but I think his playstyle, if they're playing the the carry jungle meta, which I think people should still be playing right now, yeah. then he does have some kind of like um advantage in terms of like being able to play Nidalee Graves and and these kinds of champions. Um in terms of mid lane, I could I could see Yukal being a better player than Fly and in bot lane, I think that you can obviously make the case for uh, uh, aiming being the better player as well. But I, I think, think the bot that... lane's actually pretty even in this case. I think both bot lanes are very good. Yeah. So, th- so then in, in that case, then I think the biggest advantages would be top lane and jungle for Afrika Freaks, and then everything else is even or maybe KT favored. Yeah. But but with that being said, we have the uncertainty around their roster, so we don't even know who they're going to play. We don't know which champions they think are significant going into draft. We, there are just so many question marks surrounding the team. And, like, um, I release my tier list every week of, like, the teams, and I basically have it as, like, the top four teams, then Afrika Freaks, and then everybody else. So yeah. I, just based off of that alone, I'm going to be on Afrika Freaks over KT Rolster in... Um, in DFS, like as my first pass, so that will probably push me towards T1 getting an upset or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I could see myself playing Damwon Gaming plus KT just to try to get exposure to like an unlikely outcome or something like yeah. that. Uh, so I'll, I'll say this: like that. That being said, uh, do you think this line's accurate? Or do you think it should be closer? Like, even if you like a freak, I think the argument is whether you think this line's close or not. Um. Because I, th- I think this is a, I personally think this is a little rich, even if you like Afrika. And that's could, part of why I, I like KT. That. That's part of why I like KT Rolster, even with the uncertainty, is that I think the line's just a little bit too rich. I think yeah. you're getting a little. I think you're getting a decent value with KT Rolster, uh, yeah, even so, with the uncertainty. So, so if this was a different sport, like if this was the NFL, I'd be more likely to pick an underdog. Like I, I will always go, kind of counter like public narratives that are going on recently, but it's, it's not really like that as much in league of legends. It's mostly like this team is the better team. This team should win X percent of the time. So I understand that like the narratives are against Afrika freaks in that sense. Like if I was, if this was the NFL, I would be attaching myself to the KT being the underdog and like not correctly, um, like evaluated by the public. Yeah. But I think that the public probably wants KT to win and thinks that the KT players are better than they actually are. Because when you see a name like Smeb or a name like Kuro, whether or not they play, you have those names associated with the KT roster team. And I think they're definitely like the more they've, they've shown the higher highs. And they have more storied careers, I think is the, the, I mean, if you want to break it down to really simple, like they just yeah. have their better name brand value. You know, Smeb's the literal world champion. Kuro's been, you know, whether you – I think he's been a little underrated over the course of his career right now. I think it's a fair argument to criticize certain things. I still think he's a pretty good player. Um, yeah. But well, like, I, I, think that's, I, think that's an, I think that's an interesting angle, though, like for in sure. In their game against Gen G last split when they played Kuro and they played, like, Velkaz mid lane or something like yeah. that, that's the only kind of thing that you can get from somebody who's been around forever and has been in, like, every different kind of meta. So I, I totally get that. I think that um, – 
if this was a traditional sport, I would expect the favorite being a freak of freaks to have the public sentiment on their side. But yeah. since we have KT who needs to win the game, that's going to be a, a narrative that's pushed as well. So they need to win. Plus they have the bigger names. So I could see a lot of the, the dead money coming in on KT Rolster, and I would just play the talent with Afrika Freaks, I think. Uh, I'm just taking a look at it. So uh, Afrika played Genji as their final game. So And KT plays Damwon or something? KT plays Damwon, yeah, good call. Yeah. So both of them have so they're extremely dead in the water anyways. I both mean, of them have extremely difficult anyways. matchups in the in the coming the coming matchups. So I don't know. This this is uh, Josh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this one? Because I I think I mean honestly the rest of the slate is kind of eh. yeah uh, so I think these two matches on Thursday morning are definitely the most interesting in the LCK and I think they have the strongest implications for I mean this Africa KT match is the strongest playoff implications because the rest is just about seeding yeah I I don't want to get uh, too hung up on this match I'll just say that the uh, the argument that uh, Mike put forth about the statistics uh, we can talk. A little bit offline about it, but I have found that they are generally very predictive. Uh, so I'll just leave it at, at that front that the numbers can be actually quite predictive, even in a sport like this, where the draft is something that uh, can change the outcomes quite a bit. Um, you need to change the context of which, like, not the context, like the way you evaluate and as like numbers, the way Mike was saying, though. And again, like I guess this is like a long tangent that we could go off on, but we have a lot to get to tonight, so we'll talk about yeah, this yeah. the cast, or maybe bring, maybe maybe we'll do this as an off season cast. I think that'd be interesting right. for sure. Yeah, for sure. But right. yeah, I, I I just think I'd rather I'd rather I, go with the uh, the the angle that uh, if a team's undervalued, I'll just bet the undervalued team. I think that's yeah, because uh, because even if I'm just taking advantage of of two percent margins all the time, if I hit on that, then it, it's going to end up profitable in the long run for me. Yeah, I saw your reaction, and I that's kind of what I expected because I I think John mentioned it to me at one point that um that there were some stats that you thought were were pretty good. It's just my my whole thing is like I've I've been paying very close attention to the numbers for a long time. Like I've had a very uh, items driven background, and like I did a lot of item analysis back in like 2015. Like um right now I'm I'm the assistant coach for Yale. And I think that a lot of the item information that LS is pushing is something that I've been doing for like five years. Yeah. And I think LS is probably doing it for five years as well. So I'm not trying to take credit for anything, but I had like Weldon reach out to me at one point. I had uh, Dylan Falco reach out to me when he was on Fnatic. And like, I, I like that side of things. So if you're seeing things like after the game, that kind of makes sense and are, are working for like betting markets and stuff like that. I totally get that. But for me, it's more about game system. Like what is the actual game? Because within every single patch, there is a meta game that exists. That is the best. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're going to find it or like figure it out. But when we do figure it out, we are going to, you're going, your team is going to be leaps and bounds ahead of every other team. Yep. Like in 2015, I was at Yale as a student and I found like the Ginzu rage blade blade of the rune King, like ridiculous Tristana stuff that was going on. And I was ready for that before CLG pulled it out in finals and like ardent sensor being broken, ZZROP portal being broken. All of these things are very easy to find if you're focusing on the numbers. Um, it, so that's we're looking that's at a, it through. We're just looking at it through different lenses. I think is, yeah. is the, the, the short way to sum the this last, up, which I think is cool. Cause yeah, there's the angles for both of them. It, Go ahead. The last thing I'd say about it is that it's impossible for me to know that a team is capable of doing something like that going into a match, unless I know the coach. Yeah. 
or unless you so, see a track record of it repeatedly, sure, and, you, and you yeah. can you can then assume that they have the the same philosophy, like over you can over run a, a model. given. Yeah, then you can run a model. It's exactly. like if if Josh was able to pull the item information and I gave him efficiency numbers, then he'd be able to run like item builds against what they've actually built, and then see if that is an edge that teams are actually playing for. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would. That's be something that I'd be interested. Sure. In, yeah. Um, Chris, any thoughts on this one? I hope Man, we kind of like, like took over this learning... conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm learning so much about like what angles I haven't like thought of and things that I mean these are all useful information. I'll just keep it short. I think the most interesting number for me is the Africa minus 1.5. I like that if they're gonna win, I think. Um, just because you know what, I, I don't really have a full analysis. KT has the most to play for; they're gonna let me down. That's, <laughs> that's totally that's totally reasonable too. That's totally it has worked too. for me, and I will continue working on superstition. All, All right, yeah. Friday afternoon or Friday morning? Jeez, afternoon. What am I talking about? It's early morning. Uh, sandbox minus two eighty one. Humble life plus two twenty three. So. <laughs> Humble life and Solhe one have kind of made up this weird multi-pronged dumpster fire tier in the LCK <laughs> where I, to me, I think Hamwa are clearly like a better team, but they're still terrible. So I don't know what that means. Sandbox. What's hard about this is that these, these teams are eliminated. So th- these next couple of matches, I don't want to spend too much time on cause all these teams are eliminated. So I tend to be more partial to underdogs in these cases, but I do think sandbox have shown me more, uh, they haven't been able to execute to beat the good teams, but I do think Sandbox are kind of a tier above both Han Life and Solhei One. But I think the angle here is these games, quote unquote, don't like don't matter. And I do think that narrative is overdone and overrated. But I do think there's at least something to it, and we do have to give some credence to it on some level. Uh, maybe we see a little bit looser play here. Um, I, I kind of like I don't know. I, I kind of like Han to take a map here, but. I just think this is too rich. Like, I don't know if Sandbox is better than anyone, like, that much better than anyone. I could be yeah, wrong, I guess, think. That was my angle, like, and again, like, I, I hate this. I, I hate doing this every week. It's every week, bro. Like, but again, like, are, do you really mean to tell me that the gap between Hanwha and Sandbox is is bigger than the gap between Damwon and T1? No. Yeah. Like, there, there's no way, right? So, like, no. So, it's just bet home. I don't know. And I hate it. Because, again, like, I don't particularly think they'll win. I just think they they win more often than and this the number indicates. Yeah. yeah. So, I yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, what do you think? Is my is my camera working right now? No, it's off. I hear you, though. You're fine. Just, just keep okay, going. Power through. Well, you know, so, so basically, like, my name is Yamato Cannon. Uh, I'm the coach <laughs> for Sandbox Gaming. Uh, you know, uh, ever since I come to Korea, uh, we, you know, we win some game, we lose some game. No big deal. Uh, you know, we play good sometimes, we play bad sometimes. No big deal. Uh, I think, you know, if you take a look objectively at the bot lane right now, you see uh, you see Root, you see Gorilla, big name Gorilla, uh, you know, but Viper Lahens, I mean, come on, how are we supposed to beat that? If it's, a, if it's actual Gorilla against actual Viper or Snake, then yes, we win this game. But you have uh, you have Viper and Lahens. I mean, I don't know how we beat these players. Uh, 
it is not easy for me. Uh, I think that I will soon lose my job as head coach of Sandbox Gaming. Uh, I've made some guest appearance on League of Vitam's YouTube channel, breaking down uh, different games uh, that I have messed up in the drafting phase. But, you know, uh, outside of that, uh, I don't really pay much attention. I'm basically the Mark Z of LCK coaches. Oh, my God. Uh, but uh, that's kind of... Uh, if Personally, I'm not trying to get myself arrested or anything in LCK, but maybe you should probably definitely bet on uh, Hardware Life. I think uh, I think they win this match uh, pretty easily. There we go. We have from from Yamato Cannon himself to take home one this match. That's Yamato's pick of the week is against his own team. Yes, yes. No, no, I didn't say that. But yes. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> My sister followed that. That's awesome. So, I, I guess we could talk about how how I guess really we could talk about how he's done, uh, or we could say that for an offseason. I think it's better to say that for an offseason case. We we are slogging along here. Is this Hamwar just because value, and then don't think about it? Close your eyes, special. What is this value? I don't know. I don't know this phrase. <laughs> Numbers, Chris. No. Any Chris? Any thoughts on this? I'm gonna agree that this number is way off with the minus two eighty one, but I'm not. I don't know. Hamwar are pretty we, bad, dude. I don't we know. Have, we have Yamato about doubting his own team. I <laughs> like what he brings. I really do. This is different, and this is something that's exciting that they need to build on because I don't want them to go back to the old place. Any case, uh, that aside, I do think um, he plus 1.5 would be more interesting for Hanwha. But yeah. overall, th- 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 these teams are not that vastly different Yeah, um, in talent in their consistency, in their style. So I think um, either don't bet or play the value of the plus 1.5. Next up we have Dynamics minus 203 against Solheiwan plus 164. Um, Solheiwan put up an admirable performance against Dragon X and still couldn't get it done. So, I, I mean, you could make the argument that they could have, I mean, they probably should have won that series 2-1, to one, but I don't know. It's, that was their Super Bowl. I don't know. I'm still confused how they lost that, by the way. I don't know. So high one things. They didn't even have Mickey in, Vince. Like, how'd they lose? I don't <laughs> I don't know, man. This. I've been saying it all season. This team's just so terrible. I, the thing is, all right, I've been, I've been like the big dynamic supporter all season long. I do think that they're not terrible. But I do think this is pretty rich. And Solheim 1 just showed us a pretty good for performance. I'd probably just pass this. I think Dynamics win, but I'm certainly not laying this kind of money on it. I like Dynamics more than a lot of people, though, to be fair. So, Any any uh, strong thoughts on this one? I know this is not the most entertaining slate the rest of the way. So I think, uh, so, I mean, for, like, for meme reasons, I like Solheiwan Prince because... Uh, I like Ixu's champion pool. I like the fact that he plays Alawi. Uh, like on for the Yale team, we've been playing um, like hard around Dragon for like months now, and we've gotten mixed results. But I think it's the correct way to play. And if you can get me into a spot where Alawi and then you play something like Zyra in the bot lane, if you can get those two champions together, they do more damage than the other team will do. Yeah. So you have those two champions. You get any any AD carry play around zone control for dragon and then you should be able to win some of these matches if they can if they can kind of like turn it into that sort of game they have a chance but i'm not sure if they actually do that 
Yeah. Uh, the other thing is um, people just <laughs> usually just ban Alawi against them too. So not yeah. always, but most of the time. One of one of the first weeks of LCK, I was big on Mickey uh, when he like went off, and ever since then on my channel, I've done like the Mickey of the night where it's like some kind of random ass player. Yeah. Um, and I actually had like a great little monologue that I did. Uh, like you know in the Avengers when uh like it's like I think it's I think it's the second one when that weird creepy guy with the weird face and like the weird hair <laughs> is like saying. Um. Uh. Well, like uh, <laughs> he's Put basically you on the spot. he's basically like um uh he's chaos, dude. He's oh, I forget what the I forget what the words are. I can find the words and I could do you'll, it, but it's th- it'll come to mind. I'm sure. Like yeah, we we can fire it up for like a sign off or something. Like uh, do, oh, do you like oh, Soul High Warrior? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Hear me and rejoice, like that whole thing. Yeah, where where he's like uh. Consider yourself lucky to die at the hands of Thanos. Oh, it's just like, like just all like kinds of things. The, the shitty villain. <laughs> yeah, it's like... like we. I, I was doing a stream, and like me and like a couple other guys that were watching the stream just came up with like this whole ridiculous Mickey of the Night kind of thing, where it was like Mickey is Thanos. But uh, yeah, I lo- I love Mickey uh, because he has like the high upside and he is like a very volatile player. Yeah. If you're going to make the case for Soul Haywan Prince, I think it has to be like Ixu and Mickey. Ixu Ix well Ixu basically Soul Haywan Prince drafts around a team composition that Dynamics is not ready for, and I think that Rich has a limited champion pool. I think that Kuzan is past his prime. I think Gugger is past his prime. Diokdam hasn't really shown me enough to for me to think that you don't he like can the be like or AD carry, dude. No, I do not. <laughs> Although that would be really good against Zyra, but I don't yeah. think that it's going to go that direction. Yeah. Um, and then, like, actually, Heimerdinger destroys Zyra, yeah. but that's because I'm a Zyra main. Anyway. Uh, and the, yeah, but I, I, I do think that Dynamics should be the favorite. Um, it's just whether you think it's by this much, I think, is the. the I would be on Soul Hewan Prince, though. Yeah. In this matchup, just because I love them and I'm biased. Close your eyes, special. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday, Afrika plus 318 against Gen G minus 500. So. Gen G could potentially be locked in. I don't want to spend too much more time on the LCK, so we're going to blow through these last few games because there's, I mean, the Dragon XT 1 1 is, is the only other relevant one. And we've, we're already an hour in here, so I don't want to get through these playoff matches. Uh, I think the long and short of this series is do we think Afrika get a game or not? And do we think Gen G care? Afrika will not get a game. I mean, Gen, Gen G are, they have one game to play. They are, they can't get top two. So right now they're just battling to stay third against T1. I think Afrika Freaks will beat KT. The last match will mean nothing. They won't want to show anything. They'll get 2 0'd, and then they'll just go into the gauntlet. And probably get 2 0'd. <laughs> and do what they have to do, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I, so uh, you think Gen G just 2 0 this then? I think Gen G, I, like, as a vanilla team, like, just, like, I, if you, both teams are trying not to show anything, I think Gen G is just, like, way better. Yeah, I don't think that I can convince myself to bet on that money line. Yeah. And oh, no, I no, don't no. think that, I don't think that the games are going to lend itself to DFS. So, I, I'm just not interested. I think this is a weird one because I, I could totally see this just being sloppy and neither team gives a shit, you know? Sure. Yeah, like, when uh, when G2 and Fnatic play in the last week of LE. Uh, the last week of LEC, the last two splits, the yeah. games have been out of control. Yeah. But I think, I think, um, well, not not, not that these will be crazy, just that 
it could just be sloppy and we could see a two to one and it might not even make any sense for it to be a two to one. Like there's no, don't, don't go into this thinking you can make sense of it. Yeah. Like Gen G could show up and try hard and just stomp this match or they could show up and not want to show anything. And maybe, or maybe they want to show something weird, just to get some equity draft equity and in, in playoffs or something. But yeah. I, I think don't, th- this is just, just be careful with the series is what I'll say, because yeah. it's probably not as lopsided as you think it is. Like sure. I do think Gen G win just if both of them are playing to not show anything, but I guess that's all that. Uh, Josh, Chris, any thoughts on this one? I'll give you one guess which side I'm on, and it's just disgusting it again. So, and you're really doing this to yourself, bro. Like, are you kidding? Plus three eighteen? Are you kidding me? I guess in a week, I mean, final week. But that's but that's eight. That's like the eight percent difference between getting them at plus 200 and yeah. plus 318. So, I mean, I don't know. I could see it both ways. I could see you doing it. I I think that it does. If if you've been waiting for this kind of spot all year, go for it. Yeah. But it's just, it's just to me, these teams, like, again, like, Genji's definitely a tier above and definitely the better team. And I guess I'm also somewhat of, like, I, I feel like I always bet and always lose. So there's also <laughs> probably something to, to, to that effect. But, uh, to me, it seems like these teams are not that far apart. And like, even if it's just like, I think these teams are worlds apart. I don't know. To me, I just think it it might not that might not be a factor in this match. That's the question. That's the yeah. Question. That's the other like, thing. Well, that's yeah. That's the other angle. It's kind of like it's like how you handicap week one games generally. Of slips, yeah, it's right? like the inverse or whatever. Like, just take the dog yeah. because it does, it might not matter kind of situation. It, and the other thing, but is again, it might not matter to either. It might not matter to yeah. either team. That's so right. you have this double whammy effect where. You could see like a like a Vici Invictus kind of situation, although that, yeah. was kind of, that was kind of weird. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to say that was entirely throwing things away because that was maybe a bad example. Anyway, yeah, the Casey over Wilson, two and a half is is like plus one forty, so that's that's, that's interesting. Not here a bad, but I don't usually like that, but in this kind of match, I could I could actually see that. I could yep. just I could just be see this being totally sloppy, just careless. Um, Africa. Oh no, we already did that. So KT Rolster plus seven fourteen against Damwon minus sixteen sixty seven. So Damwon could Dragon X have one more match. Damwon have two. If Dragon X wins their last match against T one on Sunday, they'd be sixteen and two. If Damwon win out, they would also be sixteen and two. Uh, but they would have the game differential because they have a five game game differential advantage right now. So. It might be a matter of if they want to play for that or not in this case. I would think they do. There's also a very strong possibility that if KT lose that round that they don't care about this match anymore. So I I always – I want to caution people because I I think this narrative is dangerous. We've talked about this a number of times this season. Don't rule a team out just because their season's over because I think a lot of times there's a psychological edge that that happens where when the pressure's off – you play more confidently, you play looser, you're just out there to play. That can matter a lot, especially against a team that's got higher, like, more pressure on them. And maybe you bust out something that you wouldn't do because you're confident or that, you you know, you're, you're throwing it in. I think just don't automatically assume because KT's out, they're not going to be trying in this match. And that's, like, a narrative that I've said over and over and over. Like, don't, don't be automatic about this stuff. Like, don't rule these kind of teams out. But Damwon are going to be caring about this match. Damwon look ridiculous. Any thought? I mean, it feels bad not taking KT to get a map here, right? Yeah, 
I, that's a big number. <laughs> yeah, this is one like, and I've been on the numbers the whole time. This is one I actually don't want to bet unless KT lose the match before. Because I think if KT lose the match before, then these odds shift further towards the M1. And you get even better odds at KT, yeah. in which case it's just a lottery ticket anyways. Um, and like, although 714 is probably too big, like, I don't know, like they, they the way these two teams like conduct themselves. I just think that there's really no counterplay for KT in this one, other than like Damwon making a dive and just yeah, and like pressing like teleport yeah, instead of flash or something. Order. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like yeah. one of their F keys pops off and they can't flash out or something. Like, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea, but but yeah, that's I, I would be really interested. I would probably be more interested in this number if. Uh, if they do lose that game earlier in the in the week so that the number gets a little bit bigger. Yeah. So the two things that I would say about this is like I've been playing league for like eight and a half years, nine years, and there are days where I just think to myself, Oh, you know, we'll just play some League of Legends, we'll just have a little bit of fun, no big deal. We don't have to take these games seriously, and then you die one time in your first game and you're like, fuck this, this game sucks. Yep. I'm tryharding the rest of the day. That's kind of what I think is the best case scenario for KT is like they come in, they win the first game. Ha ha. Look at, we're having fun. We don't care about this game. And then Damwon is like, okay, well now we're going to push you into the ground. Back to back 20 minute victories. Or exactly. like that. I could see that happening where it's just like, they say to themselves, Oh, we don't care. You know, we don't even need to win this match. DRX somehow lost to some other team. And we already have the number one seed locked up. Nobody likes losing games in League yeah, of Legends. Period. It, I, it is a horrible feeling. I hard agree. It's not like basketball where like, oh, you know, I went out there. I got my 40 points. I got a triple-double somehow. I looked good. Well, you're also not like – I don't I, really care. I mean, I, I don't want to rule out the physical implications, but you're also not like risking injury like really sure. in one stage game. Sure. Of, and you then, know what I mean? Like that's – like basketball players have to consider that kind of thing. Yeah. The, and then the last thing I would say is that – if any team in the in League of Legends is like the Houston Rockets, it's Damwon Gaming or Top Esports. Yeah. Showmaker is James Harden. He wants to go out there and put up his numbers. Yep. They go for tower. They they will at the end of games just tower the fountain dive. They don't give a shit. Yeah. They will do that just to get the inflated KDA and stuff like that. They yeah. don't care if those numbers should matter or shouldn't matter. They matter. They count. So they count. So it's they the, just it's go the get damn, it. It's the Damwon Revenge Tour, I guess. After exactly. the shitty spring split or something, because they're the ultimate try. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's reasonable to take a shot on the on the on KT here, but it's I, it's I like really the plus hard. one game. I like the plus one game idea. Yeah, I don't think they're winning game. the series. I don't exactly. I don't think they're winning the series. Maybe you get one game, but then you piss them off, and then they're going to stomp you, yeah. and that's just horrible. Yeah. Uh, any other comments on this one? We got one more. Uh, so Dragon Sunday we have Dragon X minus one thirty two T one plus one hundred. Um, Dragon X looking shaky. Of late, but Dragonix kind of do this where they like they just. All right, this last series was a little. I think was a little bit different. I think they just did not play well in this last series. But Damwon or Dragonix have this tendency to just draft. Like it's not every game, but they tend to draft just like these insanely weird compositions, like just difficult to execute stuff. And a lot of times they make it work because they're just good, but. Sometimes they go a little too far off the deep end. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's like, like planned that way or they just lose track of things in the draft or if they, that's their intent is to just do weird shit. I don't know. But 
Dragon X have not been a team that you can rely on to sweep. Uh, I also think T1's form currently has looked really, really good. I actually think this is a pretty interesting matchup because I, I think you can make an argument either way here. Because I, I still think Dragon X, Dragon X have this thing where they they lose a game or they, they'll have a match like they just had, and then everyone's just like, oh, see, they're not actually that good, or uh, and then they'll just come out and show you like, okay, like this is still Chovy. This is still, you know what I mean? Like, this is still Caria, and they'll just come out and smash somebody, like, even a good team. So, I, I think Dragon X still probably going to be playing for number one, number two. I mean, they're locked top two. Do we think that they're going to show up for this match? I don't know if T1's going to show up. I don't I, know if they give a shit. So, yeah. I think that T1, their best, their best course of action is let Closer finish out the regular season yeah. and then make a decision. Are we playing Closer or are we playing Faker? Uh, don't show anything new. Like maybe you want to show some Aurelia games to scare them about Aurelia yeah. or something like that. But I I could see T1 just mailing it in in the last game. Because T1 can't because T to, just to be clear to everyone, T1 and Genji cannot catch Dragon X and Dam One. They're locked for yeah. top two. It's just a matter of which order. It's probably going to be Dam One number one. Yeah. So I think T1 they have nothing to play for. It doesn't mean that they're not going to play. Like because just yeah. like I said before. It sucks to lose a game in League of Legends. Yeah. It's thirty to forty minutes of you just getting your yeah. ass beaten. Plus, so, you don't like, want to have you don't want to have that going into playoffs either. It's just a weird psychological thing too. Like, you, eh, you if, any, if anybody doesn't care about that, it's probably T one. Yeah. Like, they're the Patriots. Like when yep. when the Patriots are like, oh, you know, haha, you beat us in week six. Uh oh, yep. now we're in the conference championship game and we just blew you up by four touchdowns. Yeah. Haha, that's they, that's they really kind of hard. They really are. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think there's much I, – I don't have any, like, interesting insight into that matchup until we get to that night because we'll see how everything else kind of plays out. I, I think this one's an interesting one for line movement too. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, if, if for whatever reason money comes in heavy on either side of this, I think you can kind of just go the other way and it's reasonable. But uh, I don't, that's interesting. Josh, Chris, thoughts on this one? I – uh. I like DRX at this number. I just think like you and I are still really bullish on this team, even when they play yeah, performances. I, like I just like I don't know, something's just. I think it's just I, I just like Chovy too much. Like it's unhealthy at this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just feel like he can do no wrong ever. Uh, so, and just with how, how good I think mid lane is right now, I just think like that's just such the, such an advantage for them. Um, I just. I don't know. Anytime I, it, DRX to me is like, if I see him under minus 150, I'm probably just going to bet it yeah. regardless of what's happening in the current state of things. So I do think this weekend's going to be really interesting because we're going to, we're going to see closer tested against good mid laners, you know, like, so I think that part's going to be really interesting. We're going to get to see him against Showmaker and Chovy this weekend. That's like the test, right? Like right now, besides, I mean, he can't play with Knight right now or rookie. Like that would be the other, the other, like in this league, I think that's the the toughest gauntlet you can run back to back. So it's going to be interesting to see. Assuming he plays, we don't know. Maybe Faker plays, but um, last game we have Dynamics against Hanwha Life. It's the same argument as before, right? It's the same line, same argument as before. I I I, I like Dynamics against both these teams, but I I think the number is too big, and these are games that don't really matter. So it's yeah. kind of hard to tell. So probably just take the dog or pass. I think is the play. Yeah. So if if I am staying true to the bot lane becomes more important as we get closer to Worlds kind of mentality, then I could see Viper and Han Life just carrying the end of the season, and then that's kind of it. Viper and Lahan's 2v8. 
Yeah. They're good enough think, to do it. <laughs> but, and they've all, like, I think Hanwha Life, they have been getting more time uh, to kind of work as a team, which is kind of a positive. Um, I think they have been better. They're not yeah. really winning any more or less, but they are better. Like, they look better on film. Like, they're not. The first few weeks when it was Cad and Doodoo, it was horrible. Oh, yeah. They was... played very, very bad. But then they've started getting a little better, a little better. They at least and... look like a professional League of Legends team now, where it's like... Yeah. And even if they didn't, it, it could still happen because Viper and Lens. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at with, with that. I'm not that interested in uh, in betting that yeah. match. All right. Um, any thoughts on this one? Closing thoughts on the LCK? It's probably just going to be the projected top five. I'm not ruling out the KT Miracle one, but it's probably not likely. So <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. Um... Because they would have to beat Damwon, which is a tall order. So, uh, LPL, who, do we want to go to the West or, or LPL first? What do you guys think? Let's do LPL. It's fast. LPL. So, we have Saturday, we have Top Esports versus Sooning. So, Top is a minus 303 favorite. Sooning plus 214. Uh, I'll say Top minus 1.5 at minus 118. I'm not going to read through all of these, but... Uh, that's the the sides there. Um, I put down all the other stuff too. If you guys see any of these things that you like, um, I think what's really really interesting about this match is that Top did not finish the season that well, and I don't think that I think a lot of people were just assuming that this was like kind of a mail it in situation with them, and maybe there was a little bit of that going on because they were they were so far ahead of the pack for a while that they. You know, they had essentially locked playoffs as long as they didn't completely collapse. I personally have issues with the way Top's playing right now, and I am a little hesitant to trust them to take care of business here because I, I they've shown that they aren't necessarily always going to play the best stuff or the optimal stuff. They're just going to do what they do. And it's not that that's necessarily like a very, very bad – like they're not playing super weird stuff. I just don't think that they're playing – they're not always playing the best champions, prioritizing the best champions. And I kind of take issue with that. So – and, I mean, I, the thing I've talked about is they've kind of just seeded early game way too easily, I think, when they don't have to. Like, they, they might – like, they'll pick a scaling team that's not completely inept early, and they'll just completely seed everything and assume that they out-team fight late. And I think that's just a really, really dangerous way to play in Season 10. And you're going to end up just losing matches that you shouldn't lose. So I think the question here is – I mean, we'll jump to the other side. I'll introduce the other side, too. Like, Sooning kind of been underrated all season. Well, definitely have been underrated all season long. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that's a question. I think Sooning have been way underrated by most people all season long. Uh, I think there have been a couple people. I've been pretty high on them. I didn't think they were quite in the elite tier. I still don't think they're necessarily there, but they're a good team. Like, they're a solid team. And... The question to me here is, do we think Sooning can punish the fact that Top have kind of been giving up leads? And do we think Top are going to do that here, or that they were just kind of like sandbagging or whatever you want to call it? Like, I don't necessarily think it was that, but I think this is actually a really, really interesting matchup. I don't think this is automatic Top stomp. Anybody? Go ahead, if one of them want to go first, it's fine. Anybody? I, I feel like Sooning continues to be under, like, not uh, not under, but I guess, like, just disrespected by the betting markets, but uh, I just have a feeling inside me that, like, Top's top, not going right? to lose. Uh, I was like, 
I don't know. I, I just can't really get past it. Um, it feels like they, their like slump or whatever is kind of being talked about a little bit too much for my liking. So I just don't really want to put anything out there against it. But I don't I, I even do think want to call it a slump. Undervalued. I don't even think it's yeah. a slump necessarily. I just think that they've kind of, to me, they've kind of just been playing really vanilla. And I yeah. don't know if that's because they don't want to show anything or because they actually think it's good. Like that's the difficult part to evaluate, right? Right. Like I don't know. Like, Mike, yeah. what do you think on this? Like, do you do you think that they are actually just like trying? They haven't been trying to show anything, or that they actually think that what they're doing is good. I think that's kind of how you have to look at this. I think that earlier when you were talking about top esports playing what they think is the best, regardless of whether or not it's meta, I think that is very important to realize because last playoffs we had um, Carsa playing Lee Sin in the like the best carry jungle meta that we've ever that we've ever really had where like graves nidalee kindred like you needed to be able to play these kinds of champions at a proficient level because like the lee sin matchup isn't isn't good against those champions there are outs in that matchup because lee sin is like a playmaking champion like you can find ways to kind of get back yeah you can find ways to win the game so it's it's not that it should go like eighty twenty or something like that, but you're putting yourself in a disadvantageous spot. Yeah, maybe it's like a sixty um, forty. It's like a ten percent disadvantage or whatever. You know, it's it's yeah, yeah. It's not optimal. Like it's not bad. Yeah. It's just not optimal. Yeah. So when I look at their when I look at their match history recently, um, I don't really know what spots they're playing anything that far like off base yeah. like they played jarvin volibear and olaf because the jungle is really the only spot that they're going to make kind of like Big weird changes, picks yeah. um i think that jackie love has been overrated since he went to top esports i liked the i liked the move initially and i was very like positive about it and i thought that it gave them a chance to be a much better team and then they instantly became a much better team knight was playing out of his mind Everybody jumped on the bandwagon, and that kind of made me like hesitant because yeah. I figured it was just overblown at that point. So at this point, I think Knight is truly the carrier of the team. Jackie Love is is very overrated. I think, think Knight's Jar- been the carrier the whole time, dude. Like I don't think sure. that's. But in terms of in terms of what people have said about it, oh, perception, like, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So I think that I think that Jackie Love is league average. Or above average. Both of those are fine. I'm not saying he's a bad player. Um, but in a spot where you're going up against Huan Feng, I think this could be a stylistic disadvantage for top esports. So I think that uh, 369 has been overrated um, for... 369 is overrated because top esports wins games. When top esports wins games, but with 20 kills, his KDAs are going to look insane. Exactly. So he has this inflated perception right now. He plays some carry champions. You can pick carry champions when every single lane is winning. Like it's not a big deal. Uh, Bin has been very good this yeah. split, and Bin and an SOFM have been absolutely bonkers for, for exactly like so. So when I when I was kind of looking at Sunning going into the season, I thought that Bin and SFM needed to prove themselves in the beginning of the split when they had a weak schedule, uh, a weak schedule, and prove that they could play the jungle carry meta. Within the first few weeks, SFM showed that he could easily play those champions and be one of the not better necessarily players in the LPL, but he was willing to play that play style and his team was willing to give him those champions. So that was very good for for Sunning immediately, and that's when I knew that I made a good call on Sunning. Uh, Bin, I was not convinced of for a long time. But as the season went on, 
been kept getting better and better. Yep. I think that's pretty pretty easy to say. Uh, now he has like Gangplank in his back pocket, so there are a lot of matchups where if if Soning is on red side and they can kind of get a Gangplank in a few times, I think that's very, very good. My one big concern with uh, Soning is I think that they're not accurately reading the meta in terms of Jin's power level. I think that Jin is a very bad champion. Yeah, they're, they're and, hooked on Jin, dude. You're right. Yeah, Jin. Jin is a horrible champion. Uh, if you play, I if you play Jin, I think you should lose the game outright. And the and it's because if the only time that it like really shines is when you're able to get a um a Big jungler, well a jungler that gets ahead. Yeah. Like if you have Graves, then Graves can compensate for the lack of damage DPS, that Jin is yeah, going to exactly. have in the same exactly. team fight. So well, you Kindred, need to be very Kindred's careful. Another one too, like yeah, or or even Nidalee. Yeah. Nidalee not as much because it's more bursty. Burst, but yeah, like Kindred least, and Graves are like the, the yeah. hallmarks, and then heavy magic damage otherwise. Yeah, so I think those kinds of things make it interesting if they can stay away from that because it's going to be a lot of Caitlyn matchups. Like Top Esports has shown that they want to play Kate Lux. Um, I think that's very. Um, overrated right now i don't think caitlin is anywhere near as good as what everybody else does yeah. i like enchanter supports i think that they should always be in the meta but teams get really afraid so like i like the lux aspect of it but everybody thinks it's dependent on caitlin so that's yeah. kind of a problem in my mind i don't know how that's going to shake out in uh in like a pick ban but i think i think ban against as uh ben against 369 is much closer than people think s of m versus carsa the champion pools are are um, leaning towards S of M as being the the advantageous side of that, but Kars is the better player, I think, at the end of the day. Um, I like Knight, obviously, much more than Angel. I'm a big anti-Angel guy. Uh, Huan Feng and Sword Art, I think, are basically even with Jackie Love and Yu Yan Jia. I still think Top Esports wins. I would not do two, minus 2.5. I would consider minus 1.5. I like Sunning plus 2.5 a lot, but you're not getting great money on it. So you think 3-1 um, to, to 1 top, right? I would, I would bet Sunning... Um, money line uh but i don't think you're getting great value yeah. it's just like if and i would i will play them on DraftKings as yeah. well so this, this map, i think i think the, the long story short I, I think you and i are, are in lockstep on this one that this is a closer match than it looks for sure like 100 yeah. percent. like sooning sooning are not I, for, sooning are still underrated josh said it like they're still being undervalued in the betting markets i still think people are undervaluing too top are the name brand value here so yeah. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on this one? Do you like Sunny or you think Top take care of business on this one? I, I, I shouldn't even say take care of business because I think this is closer than it looks. It is much closer than it looks. The, the, the odds will tell you otherwise, but I think um, we, I wouldn't price if this goes to five games. I am, uh, I think Wang Fang will need to play out of his mind, which he is looking comfortable, very comfortable in a larger player pool. At first, you think he's just a Aphelios misfortune one trick, yeah. two trick, but uh, really, he did expand. I'm curious to hear that Jin is not as good as a pick that um, because he's been picked a lot. So the thing with Jin, and I think I guess we could talk about this for a second. Like I think the thing people there's sometimes situations, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but I'm just telling you how teams think, and I don't I haven't not agree with this at all, but I'm just telling you the way people think. People tend to think that you need to play like a stopgap kind of situation, like. Do like the best you can in a situation when really I think they should be trying to go over the top or underneath instead. Jin to me is kind of like the Jin Caitlyn matchup. It's it's all about like who lands what. Like the, if the Jin can and his support can land CC and punish Caitlyn, they could do that. And like later in the game, the the concept I don't think it's applicable. I don't think it's practical. 
the concept is that you have similar range, but the reality of the situation is like it's just way way easier for Caitlyn to execute in every situation. And I think just damage wise, like everything everything for the Caitlyn is easier at all points. A lot of people just look at Jin as like the best we can do in this situation. When I think really they should be thinking outside the box more. I think way too many teams are settling on this champion. I I like Jin. I don't think it's terrible. I just think you it's it's a niche champion. You have to pick your spots with it, right? You can play Jin against a four squishy competition that's like composition that doesn't have much shielding or healing, where you're actually going to get bang for your buck out of the the heavy hits, right? That just yeah. doesn't happen these days, right? There's too much healing. There's too many shields. It's so easy to to index into that. And you it's so need easy... the other team to draft bad. Yeah, exactly, and it, exactly, and it's it's very it feels very win more to me. Yeah, uh, I do think there's spots for it. Like I don't think it's necessarily terrible, but uh, teams think that you can't play against. Kay- it's like the teams act like that and Ash are the only options against Caitlyn. Yeah. When really the solution to Caitlyn is getting the rest of the map ahead so that you can be to somewhere first before she gets there. Like that, the whole thing with Caitlyn is like getting ahead of it. She's not terrible late, but if you can get ahead of it, it takes a lot of the potency out of the champion, right? And I think you could definitely go over top of it too. It just do takes guys, a lot of support for it. Go ahead. Do you guys think there's anything to the idea that like, I don't know, man. It, to me, it seems like when I watch these pros play, like what seems like a suboptimal champion, that they just like want to play a champion that's fun, and if they they can like make a reason or a rationale to make it good enough then they, like, get to play it. Like, I don't know if there's any of that involved, but, to, like, that's how I feel about Jin. because I feel like when I talk to, like, other, like, people who actually play ADC, it's like Jin is just a champion that's fun to play. Yeah. And it was, like, even before he got buffed, like, it was a champion that I saw, like, Reckless play in solo queue fairly often. So, like, that must mean it's a fairly fun champion. And so, like, now that there's, like, some sort of rationale, it's like, now we can play it. It feels like they try to shoehorn it in because yeah, they like doing like, it. I, I do think so. For what it's worth, Josh, I think this is like a team to team basis kind of situation. Certain teams give more. I, I don't want to say leeway, but they give more power to the players in in terms of their opinions on a draft. Um, I, there's a number of different examples of each, and then other other teams are strictly what the coach says. Both yeah. can work. Uh, I think. I think players are sometimes a little delusional about what's good a lot of the time, more more often than not, I think. Yeah. But I also think there's coaches that just don't know all these matchups, so they tend to trust their players. So it is kind of a give and take, and I think it's a team-by-team basis kind of situation. But yeah. I do think there seems to be a little bit of that going on. I don't know if you feel the same way, Mike, where it's like, yeah. I don't understand why. Every, like it's, it's like unanimous. It feels like it's unanimous, right? Yeah, so what I would say, I have, I have pretty hard opinions on all these things. Yeah. So I think that Jin being played in solo queue has nothing to do with pro play. Yeah. Pro- professional players think that it matters. Yeah. But it doesn't at all. Yeah. That um the experience on the character matters and that's about it. Yeah. But the guy that guy Tim Seven Seven yeah. Voicen or whatever, Oracle's Elixir, he always likes posting like um how the matchups go in D1 plus. The the statistics are completely irrelevant. Um I like what he does and I've talked to I've talked to coaches Professional coaches. So the the head coach of Yale is Mick Scrag. He was the yeah. coach for for Clutch Gaming. Yeah. He knows Tim. He respects Tim. Uh, Tim has great statistics that he gives like to pro teams and stuff. I'm not doubting Tim is good at his job. I just think that like solo queue stats don't translate to. I agree with this. Um, to pro to what the pro meta should be. Yeah. That's that's what it is. It, it ends up being pretty similar because the players do have a lot of say. So what I would say for like Josh, you you're like a football guy. Um, it's like 
um, running Jin into Caitlyn is like running um, Jin into Caitlyn is like the Chicago Bears deciding that they want to try to pass against the New Orleans Saints, where they're going to try to outgun the New Orleans Saints. It's like, can that work 10% of the time? Sure. Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. But it's just like, you'll see that and you'll be like, they're not that team. Why don't they just play like cover two and run the ball, eat the clock, make the game disgusting that nobody wants to watch. Like that's, that's what Gelati's talking about. Yeah. So I think that's the other thing. And then in terms of players thinking like, what do players know about the pro meta? Most players and most analysts most. and most coaches suck. They are horrible. And they have gotten into that position because they are skilled at the game. That is, it's the, it's the honest truth. And right now we're, we're in the infancy of league of legends. This is nothing close to what the final product is going to be 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road. If you look at the NFL or the NBA and you look at how incompetent these organizations are, think about that and then apply it to league of legends where these organizations are also much younger and have even less knowledge about the game that they're playing. The last thing that I would say about statistics, um, which I didn't really say earlier, sports like baseball, football, and basketball, right? These are games that are not numbers first. Right now we're in an analytics revolution where people are taking these analytics and applying it to games that never had these analytics like involved with how they think about things. So you, you can get a competitive edge in league of legends the numbers that we're using a lot of the time are completely irre- not not irrelevant, but they don't matter as much already, as people think. It's already a numbers game. Yeah, that that's my point. Is like it's already a numbers game, and people aren't paying attention to the numbers that actually matter for when they're playing playing the game. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that you, that your statistics that you're giving at the esports department are irrelevant for betting because obviously you guys have proven that they work, yeah. but. When you're when you're a professional team, if you're a professional team looking at the goal differentials for teams, you need to wake up. Yeah, that is not going to give you a competitive well, it's edge. It's just not be indicative of G2, things. Like that's the whole yeah. thing. Like it's not be it's not totally indicative of like, things. G two, oh, they have minus two thousand. They have a plus two thousand. Or uh, they they have a two thousand gold lead in most of their games. Well, yeah, they're destroying everybody. Yeah. Like, what do you think that we're going to see there? That's that's really the stats thing that. That's the underlying thing for my stats thing. I still think we should have that offline conversation because I'm sure that you can you can tell me some things that I'll find very insightful. Yeah, I think where do we get on this? It was Jim Caitlin, right? Like, I do think this is this is a classic case of like it just feels like the best case. Like they think it's the best case scenario, or they think it's it's the least worst case scenario. I guess I should say not the best case. It's scenario. like it's everyone's like running... playing to not lose. That's the problem. Like if you're if you're gonna have a three point competition, right? Do you want Steph Curry or do you want the best three-point shooting center? I want Steph Curry. Thank you. That's yeah. all you need to say. Kate yeah. Jin is is like random center against Steph Curry shooting threes. That's yeah, that's what's going on. I think people got to start thinking outside the box on it. Like I know, like or the draft thing is, like, later. She's, yeah, like draft she's she's later. That's what they need to do. They need to let Caitlin be first, right? So you let Caitlin get drafted blue side first. Then see the first, whole composition. Exactly. Your first your your first four picks, you do everything else, and then you fit in an eighty carry that can hyper carry and either outscale or play for the extremely or, early. Or you see more from what they're doing and you pick something that can just get ahead and make her not that sure, oppressive. Exactly. Because she's like she's still good if she's not ahead, but she's not like oppressive. Like when yeah. she when she's ahead, it just feels like she's unbeatable, right? Yeah. And like there's plenty we've seen teams beat that. I don't know. I think teams aren't, they're not thinking outside the box enough at all. Like they're just, they just get set in their ways and be like, Oh, this works like half the time. It's the best we can do. So be it. If we play, I'll play it. Cool. I, I don't think you need to think that way. 
yeah. think you see this from time to time with certain champions where it takes someone it takes someone doing something a couple of times successfully for other teams to be like, hey, we should try that. When in yeah. reality, they should have been trying it the whole time. The real problem is people like Mark Z will flame these compositions that don't look like every other composition they yep. see. And then they'll get all the pitchforks out. But that's fine. Well, yeah. we should just move on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, JDG. All right. So are we all on? I, I kind of like Sooning, but I, I think we do. We all feel the same that like we it feels like Top win this, but that it should be a competitive series. Like don't like Sooning could win this series. Yeah, I think Top Esports wins. I will be rooting for Sooning. Yeah, this seems like uh, <laughs> actually this is actually hilarious because we said the same thing about the TSM Golden Guardians series. So like maybe we should just be on Sooning. But I was gonna say it feels Similar like a competitive too, series. By the way. Yeah, I was saying it feels like a competitive series at top three O's, but now I'm like, ah, shit, I said that about TSM. So. <laughs> That's fair. Um, JDG, LGD. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't, I don't know. So, LGD came out and stomped Invictus. Uh, I have a lot of issues. I did a whole VOD review of this one. I have a lot of issues of, of some of the stuff that Invictus did. They just did a lot of... Game 3, they were just on tilt, you could tell. I don't know if you thought the same thing watching this. Like, that draft was so weird. The teleport to mid lane was just, like, full... De- like, I see what he, I see what the shot was trying to do, but that was, like, full desperation. Rookie was pushed into tower. Like, what the hell are you looking to accomplish there, right? Like, you didn't see them finish a recall. I, I don't know. There's a lot of issues with this. I, I still think the story is exactly the same with LGD. This team a lot of times just looks dumb as nails, but they get ahead early and the game is super in favor of doing that right now. And it's really easy to play out a win once you get ahead. So I think JDG are a way better team than LGD. I really do. But I'm that's in the back of my mind right now. Like JDG feel like the team that they're good at the one thing that matters the most right now, in my opinion. So I, it's hard to ever rule them out. They just beat Invictus, too. Like, that's not a joke. Invictus sometimes do weird stuff, but I, I don't think the first two games of that series were that egregious. They just got outplayed. Yeah, yeah. so I think LGD going... Or, Chris, you want to say something? Oh, so mine's going to be brief. I, I just watched the game, too, uh, in the short of it. It was, it was close, up to 20 minutes, and then IG somehow find themselves losing fights, and that just snowballs. Uh, they've never been able to recover after each of those big uh, fights where IG loses. Uh, in any sense, I don't think LGD is you're lagging out there, Chris. Special, so I this easy JDG. Sorry, I'm lagging. You think it, no? You're good. You're good. I was just lagging for a second. You think easy JDG? I think easy JDG. Josh, uh, I may end up on this one as pick of the week, uh, but I'm scared to touch the LPL because last week I said. What what is it when the only team we can trust is Invictus, and then they got three uh, would So <laughs> I, I, I I hate this league, bro. I, I swear, like they just listen to me on this show and then just try <laughs> to troll me. Like I, it's I swear to God, like, there's something there. I don't know, man. It's like I'm the kiss of death, but that like minus two and a half or plus two ninety five looks pretty good. Um, but to to your point, like LGD just did just like. They they look completely different even in that series than they did in their round one series. Like they just like were like I would have never really guessed that LGD would just beat Invictus at like random skirmish team fights. Like I don't know. That doesn't seem like I was I was pretty shocked by that result, I'll be honest yeah. with you. But at the same time, like I, I wasn't necessarily disrespecting LGD either. 
Because, like, I, I keep saying it, like, you can just snowball lead in this metagame, and they're very good at that. Yeah. Like, all right, I shouldn't say they're very good at that because they, they are not the best clean – they're not very clean at closing. They make a lot of mistakes doing that. Yeah. But when you get a 4K gold lead or whatever, like, it's so – you can just make mistakes. It's so easy to close a game out anymore that it I, – I don't know. Like, they, they legit outplayed Invictus, in, in the especially in the first two games. The third game, it was kind of just – weird on Invictus's part, but it's because they got put behind because LGD got ahead. So at some point, like this team frustrates the living hell out of me, but I respect the fact that like they pack a punch where it matters to get like upsets like this, right? Sure. So I think I think that LGD beat Invictus because Invictus is pretty horrible at drafting in general, and they've been pretty horrible at drafting for a while because a lot of the time their strengths as a team don't really fit the meta. I think that having to ban Renekton, Graves, Ash for the first two games put them at a big disadvantage uh, because, like, Ning is not the kind of player um, who can, like, pick Graves convincingly. So when you're giving Peanut, one of the best carry junglers in the world... All all three games in this series, they gave him Graves in Italy. It's like, this is what he's good at! (laughs) Yeah, that's what what the bans should have been. It should have been Nidalee, Graves maybe set or whatever like that. yeah whatever it doesn't and, honestly and, it doesn't even matter after that right like don't or, let peanut play if, his thing or if ning can play any champion that's even remotely good against those champions then you ban two of them pick something that's good against the third and then kind of go at it from that direction yeah but that's enough about invictus gaming uh the invictus gaming series for lgd against jdg i think that um what lgd has done coming into the split getting the two new solo laners and um the new support i think it was a very intelligent way to go about things because of what kramer is good at i think that uh kramer being a very good senna player is kind of the wild card in this series that i Mm -hmm. think could actually give them very good winning chances uh if we're looking at it lane by lane i think Longshi against zoom i think it's obviously zoom favored um and i don't think that there are many matchups that they're going to draft uh uh, Longshi into like an advantageous matchup just so I think up. it'll probably be like tank on tank action top lane. Yeah. I think that Longshi has played a, like he does play Camille. Yeah. So Camille, if we're getting a lot Lucian. of blind, if we're getting blind Orn, then we have a chance of seeing Camille, which is good uh, for LGD. He's played Kill I the, think a couple times too, right? Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm just like off the top. I, of my I head. think he probably has. Um, Kanavi against Peanut. I think it's much closer than people think it is. Everybody likes to think that Kanavi is the best by far in the world uh, as a carry jungler, but Peanut, that's his play style. Yeah. He didn't really get to play that way on T1 all the time, which is probably leaving some people thinking that he underperformed on T1, but that just wasn't his play style. So I think that's relatively close. It'll be interesting to see how that draft, that part of the draft goes. Um, I don't think Yagao is that good. I don't think Loken is that good. Um, I think that Shie and Kramer. I think that Shie is close to Yagao. I think that Kramer stylistically is fine against Loken, um, or not Loken. Yagao. Yagao because yeah. of or no yeah, Kramer is fine against Loken yeah. because of the stylistic differences. Yeah. If JDG tricks themselves into picking Caitlyn every single game, thinking to themselves, we have the better carry jungler. We'll create a small lead in the bot lane with Caitlyn versus whoever. And just then just like out. snowball, that, I think that's a mistake because the the big the big thing is going to be um, I think Senna is pretty good against Caitlyn. She has a lot of different outs, and she can play around the rest of the team very well. It's the perfect champion for Peanut to have on his team. Um, so Bard is going to be his thing. Yeah, yeah. Bard is going to be an important champion. 
Um, and then I think that the, another wild card that we're going to see in LCK, LPL, and all these different regions during playoffs is Aphelios. I think that teams are forgetting how strong Aphelios is at being a hyper carry. And unless they pick ban intelligently around um, that kind of potential scenario, I think some teams will be able to pick Aphelios uh, and kind of just hyper carry a game. Um, so I, I do like LGD a lot here. I think that JDG will win the match because JDG has been probably the most consistent team in China for the entire year. Um, but LG definite, LGD definitely has realistic chances of yeah. winning the match. Um, it just feels, I just, it feels to me like they Peanut can just blow a game up. Yeah. And then when that doesn't happen, Kramer's often like, I mean, he's, he's shown over the course of his career and this season that like this team's good enough at playing around him in the mid and late game that yeah. they just, they, they, they're good enough. I don't think they're perfect by any stretch, but yeah, they're good Long enough. Long she's not going to carry. Yeah, Long she's not going to carry unless he gets a Camille game in like a ridiculous matchup where he can just like snowball out of control. Yeah. So I mean, I I wish the number was better for LGD. Then I would actually make a bet on it. But at this point, I just like I like going into the matchup thinking to myself, I'll have exposure to them on DraftKings. Yeah. I'll root for LGD, but I think JDG is going to win. Yeah. Um. This is <laughs> this whole the whole. The LPL, you're right, Josh. It's just like it feels. It's like a panic attack, right? <laughs> like, like nothing. What you think makes sense might not matter, and then sometimes it does. And you got to kind of try to just like digest what happens and not completely overreact to it and be like, okay, like this team beat themselves. This team didn't. This team's doing the right things and lost. This team's doing the right things like that. There's a there's a whole lot of that, and then sometimes teams will just out of nowhere not do that. Like they won't be themselves in a series. So, uh. I'm with you. Like I, I think JDG win this series, but LGD are definitely not to be looked at lightly for sure. Like they could win this series, it wouldn't surprise me. That's a lie. I'd be a little surprised. I wouldn't be shocked, like I was. So, um, LEC or LCS? What do you want to do first? Let's do LCS first. We'll skip over that and we'll come to LC- LEC. Um, so thir- we'll do LCS because we got Thursday. So Thursday we have Cloud Nine uh, against FlyQuest. Cloud Nine minus five fifty six. FlyQuest plus three fifty. We'll say Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine. FlyQuest is minus two fifty to take a map. I think that's hilarious. I don't like. This feels a little disrespectful to FlyQuest to me, right? Or maybe a lot disrespectful. Sure. So I think uh, if we're going the talent um, direction, which is typically how I look at these games, I think uh, Licorice against Solo. I think Licorice is a much better player than Solo because there are a lot of different ways that he can actually play the game and be impactful. Yeah. I think Blabber against Santorin is much closer than the public thinks. Oh. I like Santorin a lot. Niski against Power of Evil. I think it's Power of Evil favored. Um, I think Niski's probably the most overrated player in North America. Most of his... Um, most of his, like... They had Medicaid great armor, games. Dude. What's that? They had meta game armor. They were just playing. They were. Just, they had. They had a way. They had something that people didn't adjust to. And I don't yeah. want to say that. The, I don't want to say that they've been figured out. But it takes a lot of that advantage away, right? Yeah. Like I still I think, think they're very good. It's not. So meta game armor, and then also blabber armor, because yeah. it was perfect for him, and he was able to kind of not carry Niski around the map, but play with Niski. Like if it was a top lane centric meta or a bot lane centric meta then Blabber would have been popping off with a different lane. Yeah. Like, that's kind of it where just I'm ha- at It just happened it. to be with Niski because the meta made sense for it, too. Yeah. yeah. So then so then in the bot lane, I think this is really where we see the biggest difference. I think Zven and Vulcan. Um, I think Zven is 
like you uh, you cannot you cannot name a player that I have a lower opinion of than Wild Turtle. Um, maybe Mash. Even I, though, I do even have a lower though, so yeah, even though I'll say this because I I generally agree with you. I will say that Turtle looks a lot different recently, and I don't think that's at all an indicator of what will happen <laughs> in this series. But I'll give him credit where it's due. He's looked like really disciplined, really under control. Like he's looked completely opposite of what he has in his whole career in the last like two weeks. So uh, I'll give him credit I, for that. I am confident saying that Wild Turtle is like I want to choose my word carefully, but I'm also not going to. I think Wild Turtle is the dumbest player in North America, uh, in the North American Professional League. I, I think that the mistakes that he makes shows that he does not have the kind of um, like focus that it requires to be a top level League of Legends player. Uh, that's all I'd say about Wild. Josh, you would have tee off on this because I know. <laughs> Can I introduce you to a player named Viper? Because, dear God, you want to talk about a stupid player. Viper is the dumbest player in the North American history. And I don't even, I, there's like no argument to me that, that Wild Turtle is dumber than Viper. That might be a Viper. tad extreme. Yeah, well, I don't know the history but, of NA but, very well. So, so I'm just gassing at this point, Viper. but I hate Viper. I, I think Viper is so dumb. But yeah. Let's keep yeah, saying Wild Turtle. I, I generally yeah, no, agree with you, which is why the past two weeks have just been like, I've yeah. been like, who is this guy? Like, well, I know this isn't him. I know this isn't. Like, that's the thing. Remember, they did they did the double lift treatment with Turtle, and it sounds like it actually worked. <laughs> like, it, it, it and like Turtle like owned up to it. He did the same thing Double Lift did. He's like, yeah, I, I wasn't in the right place mentally, and now it seems like he's in a place where he's at least like playing well enough to allow Ignar to to impact the game. Whereas before he was like just totally an anchor on their team's performance, it seems like now he uh, is not that. Like he's playing the game in a uh, in a good enough way to that will allow them to win. So I agree. Uh, generally, I, I, I definitely agree. Like Turtle, like historically, I, I thought he was just an absolute anchor to the team and and just like the reason they would never do anything. But right now he seems to be playing like to where he's just not going to lose them games anymore, and that's. You know that's that's at least good, but with regards to this series, I agree. It's definitely bot gap. Um, I will say that, like, while while in theory it's top gap, like solo plays the champions generally that like it doesn't matter too much. Like he plays like Mal- I, I, I always talk about Malkai, but Orn. he plays like a lot of these tank t- tank style champions where it doesn't Neutral matter too much, and also like he understands his role on the team isn't necessarily to stomp his matchup. It's just like show up late game and do it in team fights and just tank up damage so PoE can do his damage and win us the game. So yeah. like while I agree it's top gap, like I would be I would actually be kind of surprised if they won through top just because of the way he plays. I think this series is really interesting because while I do think this number is pretty disrespectful to FlyQuest, I also think Cloud9 just have more avenues to victory. I don't know if you agree with that. Like they just have uh, more ways that they could they could win this series. Like they they have more ways that they could create an edge that they could exploit over the course of a series. Like they have more the, ways to play the game. I think. Yeah, the way that FlyQuest wins this matchup is getting Santorin onto some carry junglers, and then Santorin playing Oriana five games in a row, and then oh, yeah. just luck boxing into variants. I think that um, the the two th- the two main things I would watch out for are. Santorin plus Power of Evil winning that mid lane jungle matchup because of something like Power of Evil playing on a scaling champion and then being able to create a lead with Santorin. 
and then also C9 outsmarting themselves with the drafting. I think that they've tried to show that they have these different things that they can pull out, like a Sona Lux bot lane. I think for the most part, it is pretty overrated because even if it's the best thing theoretically, um, like according to like item numbers and stuff like that, it's it it might not work against the stupid meta that exists. Yeah. So like you could you could be one hundred percent right that the the thing that's popular shouldn't be popular, and like your your team composition is so much better in a vacuum. But if you pull it out on the stage and they get a bunch of random good early game champions and they can just blow you out of the water. So that's what I'd be careful for. I do play, love you need C9 to play here. the room. You think you think C nine like uh, I could, this feels to me like a C nine three one. Like I think they'll beat themselves one game. Yeah, I could see that. I, I kind of, like, I mentioned that they have more avenues to victory, but I kind of just want to see them just do the most on-brand Cloud9 thing. Like, I just want to see them try to snowball leads. Like, they're yeah. so good at that, and they sh- I think that's just how they should play the series out. Like, they, I, to me, I think they should just open with that and make FlyQuest beat it first. Like, don't get cute and do weird stuff. Like, don't do a weird-looking game one. Just make FlyQuest beat you at what you do. And then, if you want to make adjustments or do whatever, like, that's fine. I kind of one- think, yeah, good. The one thing I'd be afraid of with that is that if C9 over, not over, over if they, if they over index into playing for the early game, snowballing yeah. and winning that way, then they can get outscaled. Yeah. Santor- Santorin and Power of Evil can definitely take care of that. Uh, they, if they play the snowball way and can get bot lane ahead easily, then I think these games will get out of control fast. Um, but that, that is kind of scary to me. I think that evil geniuses should have beat FlyQuest in that series. I think Evil Genius got smacked in the mouth and kind of realized it too late. Yeah. I think that I think that Evil Geniuses should have beat FlyQuest. I mean, again, I'm biased towards Evil Geniuses. Yeah. I've said this before. But um yeah, I think C9 just takes care of them and then uh that's about it. I, I I'd be shocked if I really would be shocked if FlyQuest w- wins this series even though I understand the easiest path to victory for FlyQuest. Yeah, I think there, there's a lot of people. I think FlyQuest is going to be like a, a – I, we don't see this really in esports because there's not the money involved, but like FlyQuest would be a public dog 100%. I sure. think people are down on Cloud9 right now because of the second half of the season they had, and FlyQuest – I mean, you could question what they looked like in that last season or that last series for sure, but the second half of the season they've mostly looked pretty good, um, especially the last couple weeks. So he looks a little shaky in the middle there, but um, – I just think like it's so hard, and one one of the things I've been talking about is that the nece- like having more avenues to victory doesn't always necessarily matter. But I I just think Cloud Nine are good enough at the one thing that they do, and it's not that FlyQuest can't beat that. I just think that over a five game series, it's going to be hard for them to I think win three games consistently. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. I kind of I don't know. This is a little rich. I'm probably going to end up passing on this game. Like I think Cloud Nine win, but this number is a little too big for my liking. I'm I'm not gonna put five hundred to win a hundred. Yeah, there's, there's I, I'll no just way. get exposure in DraftKings or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the way to do it. Uh, Josh, Chris, any any more thoughts on this? No, I think I hope sadly this is not the best LCS playoff match of the whole series. I, I know TL and uh, TSM is coming up. Right, so <laughs> guess we'll go to the next one. Liquid Golden Guardians, same numbers. Well, essentially the same numbers. So, this is weird. Um, so, Liquid kind of have been the adult in the room, I guess. Uh, they haven't, they, they've just kind of been playing. I, I call it like anti LCS. Like, they just let everyone beat themselves. I don't know if you feel the same way. 
FlyQuest kind of do this too, to some extent, whereas I think Cloud9 are, are actually proactively trying to get themselves leads and stuff. But I don't know. They had the best record. I think they are good at what they do. I do think this is they're they're being overrated here, right? Does this yes. this feel this feels like they're heavily overrated, right? Uh, so my thing is, I think that Team Liquid is not good at League of Legends. I think in in like the global perspective, they're not good at League of Legends. But they're good they, at the LCS. They, yeah, they don't yeah. they don't play any particular style good enough to compete with other regions. I think just based off what we've seen. Yeah. And th- part of that could be they haven't had to play anything else because they're in North America. That's how I, that's so, exactly how I feel about it. I feel it's the yeah. same exact way. Like I think I think that Golden Guardians is going to try to split push. They're going to try to get things like Twisted Fate and just play a stupid split push game and then Team Liquid is going to destroy them macro wise just like playing around Dragon or something and the games are going to suck. They're going to be the slowest, stupidest games you've ever seen in, in your entire life. And then Team Liquid will win and then they'll probably win the next series and they We'll probably go to Worlds and people will be like, oh my god, Team Liquid destroyed everybody in the North American playoffs. And then they'll be the favorite against some Chinese team or Korean team. And then I'll take the other side and I'll collect my money. And then I'll go on with my life. I, <laughs> that's, just, that's just, I don't have anything so, else all to right, say. I'll, I'll say this, right? Um, I do think this iteration of Liquid is worse than previous iterations of Liquid. Because previous iterations of Liquid had... I don't want to say this team lacks character, but like they they don't have like that like rock like they don't have a thing that makes them unique. They just Tactical play so like they just play so vanilla, and they can get away with it here, right? Yeah. Like I, I kind of thought FlyQuest were this in the spring season. Like maybe not entirely that, but I think FlyQuest kind of do the same thing where they just draft a solid, balanced composition and let teams beat themselves. And Liquid, I think, just do that, and they've definitely screwed up games and won games that they definitely shouldn't have won. Like, they've had a couple of things where they've had to get creative, and they get credit for that. I'll give them credit for that. But I do think they're being way overrated in this spot. Now, the question is, do we think Golden Guardians are good enough to to make this interesting? Because I kind of – Golden Guardians, I think, are are an interesting – team as an under I think they're I think Golden Guardians are underrated I just don't think they're on the same level if that makes sense like so I'm I'm not really that interested in playing Golden Guardians here even, yeah, so even though I think Liquid's overrated I don't think Golden Guardians are good enough Impact is better than Haunter right yeah I'll give you that Broxel against Closer definitely play, I'll say playoff impacts for what that's worth too because playoff impact yeah. <laughs> give him the, in the jungle boost. in the jungle maybe they're even it's a wash in the mid lane Jensen is a better player than Demonte, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the bot lane tactical is extremely overrated, Still and good. FBI is He's extremely overrated. overrated. They're both they are the two most overrated AD carries in in North America right now. It's and it's a lot of it's results driven. I think um, people just look at the numbers. Like, so yeah. here's here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say though. Like. I do think that they were almost the entire re- – like, maybe not the entire reason. I think they were a big part of why they won that last series or why they, they beat TSM because they, they just destroyed TSM's bottom lane. Now, you could think what you want about how good TSM's bottom lane is. I think that's the other end of their argument on that. But give them credit where it's due. Like, they just stomped 2v2. Yeah, talent-wise, talent like, ceiling-wise, good. Yeah. But It's consistency-wise. Double yeah. probably had one of the worst – Yeah, I think the worst series of his career. Perform- yeah, maybe. Yeah. And – and even if it's not, it's just it was horrible. Yeah. So like, yeah. like I don't care you, if you took nameplates off and you watched that guy do that, you'd be like, okay, that's well, not double. That's, yeah. yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. I think 
I think that the I think they're good, bet, but they are overrated. I'm with you. Like, I just knocked out my headphones. The people who bet on the the easy narratives for Golden Guardians, I think, are all um, like crutch argument driven and are not good. Uh, I think that Team Liquid wins this pretty easy, and if Golden Guardians uh, manages to win, it's going to be for all the all the like insane, stupid reasons that people are talking about that have low percent chances of actually happening. And then I'll have to hear about it on Twitter and I'll just want to kill myself. Yeah. I'll say this, like golden guardians. Part of the reason I I actually had some golden guardians against, against TSM, but I think it was because of my doubts about TSM more than it was my endorsement of golden golden guardians to me are like, they're like a six or seven out of 10 at like a couple things, but they're not particularly good at anything. But against a team like TSM that's literally just going to, like, lay it on the table and be like, here, we're just going to play, like, exactly middle of the road. You can go over top of it or you can go underneath it. Take your pick. Yeah. You're gonna, they're just going to get – like, TSM is just going to get beat in a lot of those situations if you just index into one or the other and don't play their, their balanced game against them, right? So I think Golden Guardians did that in that series, and then the bottom lane just dumpstered, and that just is going to make any game easy. So I don't want to get – I don't want to say – like, I'm not endorsing Golden Guardians here at all or giving them credit just because they 3 0 TSM. I think that was probably of a situation where they were under undervalued, shouldn't have been underdogs by that much. But I do think TSM had a really bad series, so I think they're coming in a little overrated. I, the thing is, like, I don't like Liquid either in this spot. This feels like an ugly Liquid. Like, just take Liquid minus one and a half. But I'm, I don't think I, I don't think I want to lay two hundred to do that. Uh, that's really not. I, I really don't think that's that bad. Yeah. I'm surprised it's that number. I think that I would look at it Under as kill totals in this series. By the way, <laughs> yeah, twenty is oh, low. Yeah, twenty and a half is low, but I, I could see I a lot of twelve to three games, right? Josh, yeah. what do you think on that one? Oh, he's muted. I think because they do want to play the split push style against a team that already has low kill totals. Yeah. So that's kind of scary. I would say, um, in terms of like real life sports kind of comparisons it's like saying um oh well uh i forget who the rockets were playing last year when they went like oh for 30 for from three or something like that but it's like taking that game and being like oh look this is how you can beat the rockets it's like yeah, this is how you can beat the rockets they miss everything like yeah this. exactly <laughs> that's that's kind of what golden guardians did against tsm yeah i'm uh, that's that's all i've got for this for this series though i think team liquid wins it pretty easy yeah i, I don't the thing is, I feel like Liquid never win anything pretty easy. It's just kind of like grind you out. Yeah. Boring. Josh, what do you think on this one? Any 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 justification for Golden Guardians here? Uh, anyone who listens to the show knows I kind of hate Golden Your phone cut out. His audio cut out. We'll get, we'll get him back. Chris, what do you think on this one? Yeah, uh, I think because it's a best of five, Team Liquid should win. I won't be surprised because Golden Guardians can have those random, like, you know, spike games. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like identity has been spiking. They slip, um, they slip heads a couple times. <laughs> and then, you know, and it's GG, but it's not like five games. Now, I'm saying this with a caveat, knowing that, you know, this has happened in the past, in MSI, no less. Yeah. With TL winning. But uh, let's just take the more likely outcome and say Team Liquid's going to win this. Uh, over five games. I think that's good. Josh, welcome back. Yeah, sorry. I uh, My phone is tripping out, but can you still hear me? Yeah, I hear you. You're good. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, this is a TL spot for me. I, I, I'd be on TL here if I was going to be on a side. Um, I don't love the number, but I do think 
so, something that's weird here is like the minus two and a half for TL is 20 points less than the minus two and a half for C9. Um, yeah. Just like, I, I find that weird just because the odds are the same. But uh, I do think TL is the correct side here. I think that GGS um, just like, I, I struggle to find them, see them finding an advantage across the map. And with the way they like to play, generally they're not that good in the mid to late game. I know they, they showed some stuff in this most recent series, but uh, that's where TL really shines. And I think that TL will just come prepared for this and they have the more experienced roster and everything. They definitely tend to flare out a little bit. Um, so TSM will face the loser of Liquid and Golden Guardians. So it'll be TSM probably against Team Liquid. Just really brief, like quick hit thoughts. One sentence, go. Team Liquid, it hypes them up even more and then they disappoint even more. <laughs> Okay, I like that, Josh. Uh, yeah, just I think TL smashes either team. They're just the more all-around team. Chris, I have no words. Fair. Evil geniuses play the loser of that. So, I, 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 that's sorry. So, yeah. T, well, TSM could face Golden Guardians. They're gonna face the loser. Sorry, I misspoke. Any does TSM beat Golden Guardians the second yep. time? Yep. Think so? Yeah, I, I I tend I tend to think that I I don't like I said like I don't necessarily think that that's that lopsided, but I also think we saw like a bottom ten percent outcome for TSM there. So, yep. um, Evil Genius is pro- presumably against FlyQuest. I think EG wins. I think they're the more talented team. I I just I have to pick them. I'm yeah. I'm like I'm stuck at this point. I cannot not pick them. I really so. don't like EG honestly. Spencerin looked horrible at at many points in this season. He looks a lot better. Yeah, yeah. So two two uh, two series ago was the worst I've seen him play. Last series was very good. He got graves. He's not going to get graves in the next split. So or in the next series. So he needs to have something else prepared that makes sense for EG. I feel like my I think issue, my issue with them, and maybe like you can think like you you clearly watch you, you're dialed into EG here. Like it feels like they just have these like bouts of identity crisis. It's not always, but like. It feels like sometimes they just never know where or who they want to be, and EG like they just end up getting attractive. lost. Yeah, yeah, and they and they end up just with these like, like it, this comp doesn't do anything, or it's like not good enough at anything to get by. And the only times they ever win are when their players just outplay things. That's the way yeah. it feels to me. Like, I don't know. So, it's not always. It's not always like they felt. It, it may. It felt like they made pretty good adjustments in the last season, in the last series. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. Like they're they're gonna need to find a different solution for, for Svenskaren because I don't I, I agree with you. He's not going to get Graves again. It was mostly Graves. He looked completely lost on Volibear. Uh, that was the that was the worst Volibear jungle that we've seen in professional play, I think. And, like, not only was he bad at it, but he was memeing on it. So, like, there was a spot where he was in the he was in the river right before a dragon fight. Uh, he was getting Ash arrowed. Instead of ulting out so that he's, un- like, unstoppable, he just put up a flare instead got hit by the ash arrow and died gave away like either the third or fourth dragon of the game and the game was over so yeah. there are a couple of problems that i have with eg eg is terrible at drafting which should make me like them a lot less but i just keep thinking to myself they're more talented if they luck into a couple of good drafts they're going to win easily yeah. uh i've i have i have gone at the 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 head of analytics for evil geniuses on twitter kind of being like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, yeah. are you not involved with the draft decisions that are happening? So I, I don't know if I believe in the coach. I don't know if I believe in the head of analytics for Evil Geniuses. I believe in the players of EG. Yeah. So if they're able to rescue their drafts from the head coach and the analysts, 
um, and the scouts, then I think we'll be fine. Uh, the one, the one thing that was the most scary thing that I've seen recently from EG was Huni not playing Narwhal, and it's I don't a pick know. That he's been pretty good on historically too, which is a little very concerning. good. Yeah, one of the best, one of the best in the world, probably. Like he's the shy level Nar. Yeah, uh, or at least he was. So it's very, it's very scary to me when I see Huni on Nar with Flash not looking for an engage when we're around a fourth dragon or an elder dragon or a baron. Yeah. They just so have there these, are... they have these weird games like that where it's just like it's like yeah. they're like kind of too, they they remind me a lot of RNG where like I trust the players. The players are are awesome. It's just like they end up turning it like they just have these games where like I don't know if they just check out or if they're they're just not engaged and then like they have random drafts sometimes like I, I don't it's just they're just a weird team, right? I I don't I, like I they should be better. I will die on that hill. If they lose to whoever loses in this other match you'll and they're out of the playoffs, <laughs> I'll be like, all right, whatever. I'm done with EG for the split. That's fine. Because you will be, basically. So. Exactly. <laughs> all right, uh, LEC, we've run pretty long here, so I'm going to try to keep this moving. Um, Friday, we have Losers Bracket Round 1. We're going to have SK Gaming against Schalke. So this number has ballooned a little bit uh, in favor of Schalke. It opened at minus 222, plus 164. It's now <laughs> up to SK plus 191, Schalke minus 263. <laughs> so this is the classic case of does the week, does the time off just kill the momentum? Is Schalke catching lightning in a bottle? Do they keep it going? I think here's the thing. Here's the way you got to look at this match. I think Chalka have done a lot of things well, but I also think that they've definitely gotten away with a lot of shit that they shouldn't get away with, like 100%. So you have to kind of find a middle ground. Like, for me, it's like more toward they are doing better things than it's all luck, but they've definitely been lucky in this. You don't go, you don't go this well as a team that does that has those players on it and not run hot. You know what I'm saying? Like, They've definitely they've definitely caught some good situations, but I do think that they are, are a much better team than they were. That said, I don't I'm not a huge SK fan either, but the fact that this is ballooned toward Shalka, I want SK. Give me the SK. Like Yeah. I don't I, even particularly like SK, but I, I think they're just like a more stable team. Like I, I'm I'm not buying it. I'm not buying Shalka. Yeah. I'm not buying Shalka. I love Dylan Falco. Like I've said, I've talked to the guy in the past about League of Legends. I, I I like what he's done with the team, except for the 10-man roster. I think 10-man rosters are the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, but no team has spent three bands on Gilius in the... Or no team has spent three bands on Gilius in the first rotation of draft. Yeah. If you want to beat Shalka, ban Gilius, and then you just do whatever you want. Yeah. And that's all you have to do. I love SK. I think I think Genax has been uh, incredible in the top lane, considering that he's coming from mid lane, which isn't it's not surprising to me because a lot of the champion it's kind pools, of been homogenized a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's still and, impressive that he's made a, such a successful transition like immediately, which is pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was probably a mid lane top lane yeah. guy in solo queue to begin with, and then like maybe that's why it's been a little bit easier. Uh, it also means that he can bring AP AP uh, champions top lane, which is very good. I think that Trick has been good for a long time. Going into the split when it was a carry jungle meta, I was pretty high on SK to begin with because I know that Trick can play Nidalee. I know that Trick can carry games. He has not done that at all this split. He's been a set one Trick, and I hate the pick 
but he's good at it. So yeah. whatever, that's a wash. I think Zazie has been very good. I think Crown Zazie? Shot is extreme. Zazie's impressed me. I, I'll yeah. be honest with you. Like I, I kind of, I tend to buy like buy low on these these rookie mid laners because I, I think Belitz has been pretty good too. Like a lot of these these new guys sure. have been excellent, but yeah. um, uh, Crown Shot's the star here, right? Like, I think Crown Shot's overrated. I think that he's definitely good enough to be a professional AD carry in Europe, which is probably important. <laughs> but uh, ring the bell, ba- ring the bell, ding ding ding. Here we go. <laughs> That's basically it. Oh, is he a, is he a crown shot truther? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's been a crowny truther the whole time, for what it's worth. He didn't jump on the bandwagon. Uh, that's Josh. that's really my that's really my opinion though. Overall, like I think if you want to say that he is just as good as the elite guys, I think it's a tough argument to make. Um, but I think he's average or better. So that's. I mean, if that makes you want to kill me, then I can't really do anything <laughs> about that. Bog gag GG go next. <laughs> uh, keeping it the briefest possible. <laughs> this is going to be an all fair duel, or we'll have to have him back for the death match. There we go. <laughs> oh, we agree. We agree. We're both on SK. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I, I, all three of us. Are. So I was. I literally looked into this match. I was try. I, I like. I played devil's advocate. I looked at this and I was like, "That's wrong." Like I just. I was. I was like this. I tunnel visioned on it. You know, you can do that sometimes, right? I said this yeah. is just egregious, right? And then I like I played devil's advocate. I was like, let me actually look at this and be like, let me make the argument for Schalke. They're confident. They're they're all in on the plays that they're making. I don't always agree with the ones that they're doing. But you just watch this shit. They've just gotten lucky so many times that I just can't believe, like I can't buy into it. I think they're a way better team than they were early in the season. They've clearly made improvements. You don't go on a run like this without changing something for the better. A hundred percent. They are good. I think they deserve to make playoffs. They they you know I think there's teams that are just as good as them that could have made it, but the way they played, I give them credit. I do. Uh, that that was something. That was kind of. It took a lot to go their way, but it was something to do that. Week to cool off, right? To kill that yeah. momentum. That is that. I actually people people tend to underrate that kind of thing. I, I think that's a very real thing. You could tell this team was just feeding it, like they were just feeling it. You could just yeah. you watch them. They just had they just had it. I think giving a week off. Definitely a psychological disadvantage for them because they were the ones running hot. It gives SK a, a way to, in my opinion, I, I think you agree with me. This game plan is simple, right? Don't let Gillies beat you. Yeah. Like that, it's literally that simple to me. If we can do it on not Sejuani, not Lee Sin, and he figures out something outside of Kha'Zix, then whatever. Okay, good job. You win. Yeah. But I doubt that make, happens. Make, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, make them beat you with something else. Is it, Does SK have pick ban priority? They'll have... I believe, yeah, they're gonna have. I, I'm not. I don't remember how the LEC. I think the LEC does that. They have side advantage one three five. Yeah. So, oh, the LPL so is weird. The LPL does three and two, like three in a row, on which I, I have issue with. But I, if I'm if I'm SK, I ban I ban Sejuani, I ban Lee Sin, maybe ban Kha'Zix, maybe not. Uh, maybe ban the AD carry that you think um, takes their t- best at Senna, probably. Yes. So maybe ban one of those, and then you first pick set. You know what you so you have to ban out the champions that Gilius plays that you think have good matchups against set. You just first pick set for trick, then you let them pick whatever they want. Yep. You're probably still going to be able to get Volibear for free for Gen X yep. if you really want it, and it's then not, you just attack from there. Yeah, uh, right. it, it, the point being like there's a number of avenues with which you can attack this. Like there's a number yeah. of ways you could do it. So I I just 
I tried. I really did. I tried to find a way to justify Schalke, just because like, I like to do this with every series. I like to try to find the case for each team. Th- sure. This line's just egregious, right? Yeah, it is. Like, even if you're, like, the most bullish Schalke, oh, I believe in the hype, I'm buying in, whatever, like, and you find all the good things that they're doing on film, even if you are, like, the most bullish Schalke supporter ever, you need to look at this line and be like, oh, that's just dead wrong. I Give me SK. <laughs> like, I don't care how much you support Schalke. And even if they win this match, this line's egregious. If, so. if if a sports book that I legitimately trusted um, had this line, I would make the hike. <laughs> I would make I would make one of the biggest bets of my life. Yeah, yeah, I'd take the take the hike for it. Um, Saturday we have G two against Mad Lions, kind of the the grudge match from spring. Um, this is interesting as well. Uh, this opens. This has gone in G 2s favor, which I am. Kind of not surprised about, but maybe a little bit. Public tends to like Mad Lions a lot, but uh, it's yeah, it's a little weird that this this has gone so heavily in G 2s favor. It's gone from two forty four to two eighty six, so it makes me a little less inclined to take G two. But I, I do think G two win this series. Yeah, I think I think G two is the better team. I think Wonder against Arome. You cannot create an argument where Arome is better than Wonder. Yeah. Yonkos against Shadow. I think you can create. An argument where Shadow can carry these Certain games because we've seen it for sure. Yeah, Caps against Humanoid. I think that Caps is definitely the better player. Uh, Humanoid has looked good this split, but you need to beat you need to beat G two in playoffs before I start saying that Humanoid is just as yeah. good as Caps. Also, Caps is. I mean, I, maybe you don't agree. Caps has looked like the best player in Europe to me. Sure. Yeah. yeah like, he he's carried G two. Perks has looked like absolute garbage. Yeah. So he's done more. He's done more than he has typically. To me, to. to me, that's the edge in this series for Mad is the bot lane. Um, for Mad Lions, you mean? I think Mad Lions have the edge there. Yeah. So I mean, Perks and Mickey against Karzi and Kaiser. I think that Karzi and Kaiser do have interesting ways to win that matchup because of things like Senna being very good in this and meta. Good at it. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's pretty important. That is ban. You can ban that away pretty easily and not think twice about it. So maybe that's not a gigantic advantage. But the, the last thing would be. Uh, perks and perks and caps can always switch. Yeah, and I I don't see that being. Um, I would not be surprised if they did that at some point in this match. I think that Ziggs is still something that they want yep. to play. Probably Ziggs is really good right now too. Like especially against certain things. Like I think uh, you can like you, you can like bait an Aphelios pick and take a Ziggs into it and just like completely dunk on it a lot of the time. Or against Caitlyn, I think. Yeah. I think Ziggs is a very good answer against Caitlyn. Maybe not necessarily. Bot lane, or like maybe not. Uh, it's not going to like stomp on it or anything, lane. but you, you can know. you can even have Ziggs as the mid laner. Yep. Um, and then just shut down the sieging potential of Caitlyn mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I'm just kind of like bigger picture on this one. Like, I've kind of been operating. To me, this like literally looked to me like G two figured it out. Like two, like maybe like two or three weeks ago, it looks like they just like solved the game. Like it looked like they couldn't figure that. May, again. We only see one game a week, or we see two games a week from these teams. I don't know what the hell scrims look like. I know that they've gone on record saying that they haven't had a lot of practice time because of all the shit that they were going through off the field, which is yeah. unfortunate, right? Yeah. So you could maybe talk about how, okay, like they've got now that they've gotten more time to practice and get into it, maybe that has something to do with it. To me, it literally just looked like a light switch flipped, and they like they solved the puzzle. Like they were I... still doing a lot of things, but it, it looked to me that, like. They weren't putting a lot of priority on dragons. They weren't putting a lot of priority on like anything. They were just playing. 
Like that's how they felt like they didn't have direction earlier in the season, and now they it feels like oh this is how you play season ten League of Legends. Now we figure this out, and we can kind of customize it to how we like to play. Right? It, it felt like they were lost for a while. I don't know if you feel the same way. I I kind of don't. I think that G two. I don't think that their power level has switched that much throughout the season. I think that the results just didn't go their way. Yeah. And they're the kind of team where when they lose, they lose it looks bad. Uh, the blaze of glory because yeah. they're like, pick this gaming. They don't give a shit. The matter, the, the numbers really don't mean anything. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I was going to say about Poom back when we were talking about Poom is that that's the, that's the style of league of legends that I prefer. If you're in a losing position, I want you to go make that aggressive play because Take that's the, the 20% play, play instead of letting it get to 8%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's how I look at League of Legends. So when G2 was doing that, I know that it diminished the public perception of G2, but I don't think much has really changed. I do think Perks looked really bad in different spots. Uh, specifically, I think the game against Schalke, where he just continuously died under towers and stuff, like he was getting hit by every skill shot, just looked really bad mechanically, but I don't expect that to continue. So yeah. I think that G2 is still the better team. Um, Mad Lions definitely has chances to win because, like we said... Uh, they have avenues to win this. Yeah, they have sure. avenues to win through through jungle, through bot lane. They could potentially go even mid lane. And I think Grabs is not a good coach because his players don't let him be a good coach. Um, but I don't even know if he has that ability to be a good coach. Yeah, like yeah. I, that's the context thing. Yeah, like I don't I don't know how they operate. Yeah, I kind of wish I did. Honestly, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in their yeah. their drafts and everything. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do think. It feels bad taking G2, even though this is bumped up 40 points, but I do think G2's the side here. Like, you had to get in. It would have, Obviously, it would have been better to get in on this early. The argument now is, is this still good enough to take G2? I kind of think I would, it is. I would just look for a live bet, hoping that they lose game one. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Or try to pick maps, like individual, individual games or something like that. Josh, what do you think on this? Uh... Is my mic you're working? Good. You're good. Yeah, you're good. Okay. Uh, I had to swap. Phone died. Yeah, you're good. Uh, so I, I actually think this is unbettable because I agree with you. I think the, the value is clear on MAD that they've shown to be better. I just don't know that I can mess with G, G2 at this point in time. Exactly what you're describing. So that's kind of where I'm at on it. Yeah. Uh, Rogue versus Fnatic. Uh, Rogue minus 152. This opened at split even money. Well, it's not even money. Esports even money. Split minus 115s. <laughs> um, Fnatic plus 111. Uh, uh, there's not enough value there, but I think Fnatic is the better side. Fnatic should be favored uh, from a talent perspective. I think Rogue, um, they're basically a worse version of Team Liquid. And... They're a worse version of Team Liquid? Yeah. Really? I think yeah. they kind of do the same thing, but better, personally. I, don't, I, think, I, think, play, I think they're playing against better competition. I think that the LEC is overrated as a whole. I think that they're much closer to North America than people want to admit. Um, the problem is that we don't see best of threes, which might fundamentally change how everybody looks at North America and and Europe. Um, I think that if we go, just let me get the. I'll say this: I don't think I, I'm with you that I don't think the gap is that big, but I do think I do think Europe's definitely stronger, and I think they're playing as generally better teams and more variety. Well, I think they're playing, they're at least playing that way against a bigger variety of teams. Like in terms of like, st- like stylistically, like teams that do different things. Like yeah. I feel, so the I way feel that, like NA is like a lot more homogenized. I don't know if you feel the same way. The way that I look at it is 
I think what you said is correct. They are more homogenized because pe- the, the players and teams in North America don't want to think for themselves because they're going to get flamed. Yeah, uh, They do it in LEC, but it's more funny. In North America, it's more like... Yeah, maybe it's more serious. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I, the way I look at this is like international football. So if you have um, the two best teams from Spain winning everything for a, a five-year stretch, six-year stretch, their national team is winning yeah. every single World Cup and every... Uh, like euro and everything like that then um people will start to say spain is better than germany spain is better than england spain is better than insert league here that's not necessarily true the it's the top the top end is much better than everybody else but if you took random team from random team it's going to be much more competitive so if you took random team from north america against random team from europe i think it'd be much closer than what the public would think. I think when you look at the top end of things, G2, Mad Lions, Fnatic, um, I believe in those teams because of the organization, organization that surround them. So those three teams can compete with C9 um, and probably beat C9. Uh, team Liquid, I don't think is at that level and no other team in North America is at that level. Yeah, I also I don't think Rogue is at that level. So that's, that's how I look at it. I think you have C9, Team Liquid, and then maybe TSM if everything is perfect, maybe FlyQuest if everything is perfect, yeah. maybe Evil Geniuses if their talent plays to their absolute peak. Um, but then in Europe, I, I think that the talent discrepancy between G2, Mad Lions, and everybody else is kind of significant. I think that Fnatic makes up with that because of their organization being so strong and they've kind of proven it. I think they're very smart about the game. Uh, the one thing I will say about Rogue is that Rogue... Um, I don't. I don't think Finn is any good. So Finn against Bwipo, I'll take Bwipo every game. Inspired against uh, ne- uh, against self made. Um, I don't think that it's that big of a gap. Everybody loves Inspired right now because he's been winning every single game. I think self made's just as good as him. I think they're both really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Nemesis against Larson. I prefer Larson in this matchup. Yeah. I think that Nemesis has always been very overrated because he was on Fnatic. Yeah. Um, and then in the bot lane, I think Han Sama. Uh, I love Han Sama. I really do. I, I think that his play style is great. He's he's willing to be aggressive and flash forward in these scenarios. I don't think Reckless is going to give him those opportunities in this match. And I think Hillisong is better than Bander. So it, there are, it is kind of like three to two in terms of skill, like what, what talent I like. Um, but but when you give me the organizational advantage, the they've done it before advantage, yeah. I'll just be on that side. And if Rogue wins, then fine. But yeah. I kind of have to play it from that perspective. I think what's I think for me what's interesting about this match is that uh, I've I like how consistent Rogue are. I like that they understand. I agree with you talent wise, one hundred percent, like across the board. I think Fnatic are being underrated, but I do think Rogue are very good. Like I think I'm probably higher on Rogue than you are, but I do agree on the side that like Fnatic are just everyone's looking at the body of work from this season and assuming that's what you're going to see. But we've had more time. I do think Fnatic weirdly like Fnatic have been getting better. They just don't always win these like clean decisive games, right? Yeah. I I, th- I think at this point I would have I actually probably would have taken Rogue at the, at the split one fifteens. I I believe in Rogue. I think they're actually good even with well, the talent gap. Yeah, because I, I think I split money like a, a, like an actual even money situation. I do like Rogue. I, I just like I think right now I think consistency matters a lot. So and they're good at the things that matter right now. I think now that we're getting plus money on Fnatic, I'm now interested in Fnatic because, like, yeah. I, I I do think I think this is an actual fifty fifty. I think it's pretty close. I think you can make an argument for either side. Yeah, if if Rogue was plus anything, I would probably yeah exactly right. Like it, 
but I'd still be on Fnatic. I so think. you, so you, it, it really is like pretty close. It's like a fifty-one forty-nine kind of thing, or whatever. Like take yeah. take take your couple percent in either direction, whichever team you like more, right? Yeah. Um, Josh, what do you think on this one? I think this match is this match is really interesting. It's weird that we've got so much line movement, right? I guess it makes sense because the public's been just shitting on Fnatic all season long, but yeah. I, I think I'm just going to popcorn this one. I, I can't take a side. I, I've been, like, racking my brain over it. My heart says Fnatic, but my mind says stop betting against Rogue. Yeah, <laughs> the same, yeah it's the same way. Like, So I just I, – I, I'm not sure what to do with it, um, but I do feel like it's going to be a good a good series one way or the other. The one thing I will say is that I do think Fnatic has, this, has the advantage in the best of five because they're willing to try more things. And as we've said, like, uh, I hate – like, I know you hate – how I characterize Rogue as a more linear team, but just the fact that, uh, like, the fact that it plays more into Larson's kind of play style to just play through mid very strong um, and just let him kind of do his thing and then pop off late game. Um, I, I do think that that is something that Fnatic in a best of five series, I think that's where their ability to be more flexible with their champion will come out. But with that being said, Fnatic has actually shown kind of a shallow champion pool oddly enough this split, especially in mid lane. Like Nemesis is is really mid gapped in this game. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do to try to to try to get around that. Yeah. I, I kinda think like I, I, I see what you're saying, like that I do think Rogue are, are more versatile than people think, but they don't show that necessarily in champions. And I think to Rogue, Rogue isn't like Rogue is gonna look at what they've done this season and not change anything. Right? Why would they, why would they change what's working? Right? Yeah. And I don't think that's the wrong way to approach this series either, personally. Like, I think if you – I guess it just depends on their perception of their talent, I guess. But, like, if you believe that you were outgunned, and if you talk to a lot of the players, if you listen to people on the interview shows, everyone's still – like, none of these players are disrespecting Fnatic in G2, like, at all. Like, if you – like, you can hear the talking heads and people talking and, and Twitter and all this stuff, and everyone's saying all the all – the, all out with the old, in with the new. If you talk to the players, no one's disrespecting G2 and Fnatic still, right? Yeah. So, I think, like, to, to me, Rogue are just going to do the same thing that they've been doing because that's been their calling card. Their calling card is just being consistent. They're, they're rock solid. They do the same things every game. Fnatic – have had their ups and downs. I do think they're getting better. I think we saw the bottom range of their outcomes. I think Fnatic, to me personally, have had like a, a full season sample of what we saw from TSM last week. They've had a lot of games where things just haven't gone their way. Maybe they tried something different and they they it didn't work out and people just criticized them for it. I like that they're willing to go out on, on a limb and do stuff like that. And I think a lot of times they have a good read on situations, even if it doesn't always end up working out that way. So I, I think... Fnatic are like a classic, just like everyone's being super rotty with Fnatic, right? Like everyone's just be like, oh, they're not the same. They're not dominating more anymore. Like, and they just assume that they're worse. Even if they aren't quite what they were before, doesn't make them a bad team. They're still very, very good. I, I'm probably going to take Fnatic here. Probably not for much, but it's only because of the value. I think this is like actually pretty close to a 50-50. Yeah. One, one thing I just want to add is like the hallmark that made Fnatic great in the spring playoffs that we hadn't been seeing over the past month or so, is Whippo using his lane advantages to then teleport bot and make Reckless yeah. unstoppable. They finally did it against SK, which, of course, screw me. <laughs> <laughs> they did it against my against Crowny. Um, but Crowny even talked about it, right? And the other thing that I'll say, like, to a little bit of temper expectation, like, Fnatic did look really good, 
but I want to put out that like SK probably would have had a more spicy, like Crownstruck kind of hinted that they would have had something more spicy prepared. Yeah, I saw that. If Fnatic hadn't already been guaranteed in. So that's something to consider on that front. But I will say that like Fnatic finally showed that trait, that, that Hallmark TP bottom lane double kill for Reckless and then the game's over because yeah. never will lose that advantage. If they continue to go back to that playstyle, especially against this road team whose bottom lane has been good, but hasn't been dominant, then that's a place where they can really take over. But again, that comes down to will Whipple be able to handle that lane? He's been kind of hit or miss. Yeah, I, I think I, I really do think that this series is just, just going to come down to who executes better. These are both really, really good teams. So I, I think it's totally reasonable to trust the veterans and everything or, or trust. I think this is like, do you trust the veterans and the, the versatility and adaptation versus do you trust consistency? I've been siding with consistency this season because I think if you identify the teams that are doing what you should be doing and they're doing it every game, that's just an edge that you have because not every team's doing that, right? But I think playoffs are a different story. Best of fives are a different story. Uh, I do still like consistent teams in that spot, but give me Fnatic here. Just the number. Like, I, I would have taken neither plus money. Pick of the week. Uh, we have run super, super long. So um, I randomized the listener nominees, and the listeners are, drumroll please, from JP underscore 2911. FlyQuest Moneyline against Cloud9 is going to be the listener pick for this week. Good luck, listeners. You guys are 0-3. Wait, it's Cloud9 uh, what? They're taking FlyQuest money line against Cloud9. So what we do is we put uh, we put a or a call out for people to yeah. submit listener questions. And then we randomly select a listener a listener submission. I will say that there were multiple FlyQuest money line submissions, so that's part of why they're fifty percent of the field. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, FlyQuest money line is the listener pick. I'll say good luck with that one. John says SK plus one eighty against Shaka. I think everyone. Uh, Josh going SK minus one. Uh, go ahead, Josh. John took SK plus one eighty against Shock. I think we're unanimously in on that one, right? Yeah, John. 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 You know, couldn't make the show tonight, so he so he had to, he had his ruin the pick. Yeah, pretty. I mean, SK game is kind of off limits on the show, but I guess we'll let him. You know, take my team, whatever. You know, King Crowny. Uh, you know, best spot laner in the world, better than Uzi. Anyways, uh, like I said, SK game minus one and a half plus three eighty seven. Give me that. Uh, I'm on a hot streak right now, so that could be affecting my judgment on taking a <laughs> pick of the week because I think I've hit what I post like five, five plus money in a row. I think. Um, so I'm on a bit of a hot streak, but I really like this team. I could definitely see a three-one in this series. Uh, all right, so yeah, that's Josh. Josh is SK minus one and a half at plus three eighty-seven. Mike, you got one because I got to figure mine out still. Uh, EG is going to beat whoever they play on Saturday. LGD plus one and a half. I like that a lot. Um, Sandbox is terrible. Yamato Cannon sucks. So bet against them and you'll make money. Um, you had to pick one. No, no. Uh, not doing that. Uh, <laughs> so, so, I mean, what's the last one? I guess the, the best one would be... Um, hmm. If you want to do the EG one, I'll just like float that because like, we can just guess where that line's going to be and we'll, we'll do that. Well, so it's either that or it would be – it was one of the Korean matches I was kind of interested in. The Hanma Life match, I think. Hanma Life against um, – It was Hanma against Hanma Sandbox, Sandbox, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. that, one. You, get plus that one. one. you can get Hanma to take a map at minus 141 or you like Hanma I, outright. 
Hanwa outright. I like I like it because I've been talking about Viper and Lahens for the entire season. I've been shitting on Yamato Cannon the entire season. It's just the perfect narrative. Alright, I got you. I'm about that. Um Jeez. This is challenging. Uh I'm gonna go against Chris and I'm gonna take Ah, it's out of range. Shit, I can't do that. Uh let's go. God, I did, not, I did not think this through. I thought about it. I thought about it. <laughs> I, I played a lot of dogs this week. Yeah, this it's is this is interesting. Uh, give this me, give me Dragon X against T one on Sunday. Okay. Dragon X against one thirty two. It does not feel good. I'm going to lose this week. We'll see. Uh. It took too long. I think there's a lot of stuff where I like I don't feel like usually there's like one or two that I'm like I'm like slam dunk like feel very confident about. Like there's a lot this week that I like but don't like that much necessarily that I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll probably be on. But uh, you know what? Give me no. That's just. Are you guys cool with the minus two hundred eight? I was just slightly out of range because I'll do liquid minus one and a half. Yeah, yeah. Minutes. I think I think I hit mad at like minus two fifteen. You guys are all plus money. I'll take. I'll be the. I'll be the the safe the safer out here and take liquid minus like two and it. a half. I know it's we usually say two hundred's the rule, but two oh eight's close enough, I think. And you could probably find a two hundred if you shop around. Yeah. So uh that'll be pick of the week for the week. Um so that's gonna be it. We've run extremely long tonight, but that's totally fine. We had a guest on. Um Michael, thanks for showing up. Um you guys can find Mike at uh I mean go ahead and plug plug your stuff, Mike. Go for it. Uh Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, League of Items. Uh, that's really it. If you if you can find one of them, you can find them all. Problem solved. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, and you stream what a couple times a week, right? Uh, when there's good DraftKings contests, I do. Uh, I streamed today a little bit for basketball. Um, uh, Billy Von Elds. I think you guys know him, right? Yeah, yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, so I I talk basketball with Billy sometimes. We do the egoat rankings. Cool. Uh, we stream that kind of stuff. Um, I do stream League of Legends sometimes, but uh, not as much recently. I haven't been playing as much League recently, um, but I'm still a Zyra one trick. So, <laughs> Card this one Zyra, trick, bro. I got Zyra, you. <laughs> uh, what are you at right now? Named garbage. I haven't been playing that much either. I think I'm. Like you were gold. diamond, right? Yeah, I was mid diamond for most of my playing career, but I'm, I think I'm like gold something now. I'm just trashed. Um, just wait. Like, Wait, just wait. The the month before Worlds, Vince is hitting GM. He just got a new chair, Foster, and he's hitting GM. He just needs some time off from writing about slates every single day, and he's hitting GM immediately. I, do, I, I am fiending to play. I got to be honest with you. Clash, create a Clash team. John, we do, I've been, last- we've been playing Clash every week. I, I so I have a team that I play in a league with. Um, just like it's like beer league. Um, sure. So we play in that like once it's like once a week. Play a best of two every week, and then you know we practice like you know whenever we get time to. But uh, other than that, like I just haven't had time to solo queue that much. So I'm planning on doing that in the the time before world. So all right, cool. So uh, Mike at League of Items, uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, all uh, League of Items on there. Thank you for joining us, Mike. We'll have to do this again. This was fun. Sure. All right, we will see you guys again next week. Good luck this weekend. Luck, everyone.
The Gold Card podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode. Oh,